Hello and welcome to episode 165 of the Crank and Crowbar. We're recording on the 11th of November. That's wrong. I'm going to start again. It's the 9th of November. <laughs> it's the 9th of the 11th. Yeah, that's mm. why I got confused. Hello and welcome to episode 165 of the Crank and Crowbar. We're recording on the 9th of November. My name is Chris Thurston and tonight I'm joined by Tom Francis. Hello. Tom Senior. Hello. And Philippa War. Hello. So... We're going to start with with video game news, obviously. Although I think all of us haven't necessarily been thinking entirely about video game news (laughs) on the day we happen to choose to record this. I'm going to say for my part, I'm really glad we are recording today rather than having recorded yesterday for something that's going up on Friday. Simply because the... I don't know. The world has changed. The world has changed. <laughs> yeah, the you know the the magnitude of of the the upset is such that I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily In UK like. UK date format today is nine eleven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> terrible. <isn't> it? <laughs> it's just terrible stuff. Um, and you know maybe might not be the bounciest the bounciest of pods as a, as a direct consequence of us all having gone through possibly one of the. Well, I mean, I thought I thought we would have already had the worst day of our political existences <laughs> this year, but it happened again. So, 2016, man. Yeah, put, put it in the bin. Year. Um, good games, though. Good games, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. What? What? At what price? Star Wars being good again? <laughs> um, I would not pay it. Um, but nonetheless, you know, it's still important to entertain ourselves and other people, and to celebrate people who are making cool stuff and. That seems more and more important now, actually, in some ways, that we have, you know, kind of lucky to be part of a pretty, well, a, a cool, you know, community within an industry that's getting better at doing lots of important things to do with, you know, representation and fairness and decency and um, what felt like, you know, I guess a movement towards that as a whole is now maybe just something that we can help push within our own small part of the world. I don't know if that makes any sense, but... Video games. <laughs> Anyhow, news other than that <clears throat> this week, uh, we we were entirely right about BlizzCon. That's something we can definitely say. Um, without a doubt, on last week's pod, we called every single announcement at BlizzCon, <laughs> more or less, from there being basically not very much. We thought, like, we knew the Necromancer was coming, and so we thought expansion to Diablo 3, but actually it's less than that, um, because it's like a... It's a pack of sorts but it's back specifically for reaper of souls which is the name of the last expansion yeah. it's like a reaper of souls uh necromancer back and it's just the class and but then they're also doing um i heard that it was going to be a remake of diablo one but actually it sounds like more like it's going to be all the levels from diablo one in diablo three as a kind of a thing that you go through with your diablo three character mm. yeah that's separate from the necromancer pack right and that's coming sooner so the necromancer is coming later next year and that's just going to be a character, and it'll give you a few extra character slots, and that character will come with like a load of, you know, relevant, unique items and stuff like that, and obviously the new skill tree. Um, but the Diablo one thing is they're replicating Diablo one and Diablo three, and that will be a much kind of sooner separate thing, which I believe will be free. Hmm. Whereas I think the Necromancer pack will be paid for. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love the Necromancer in Diablo two. It's my favourite class. It's my it was the class I. <laughs> I think, like we said last week, and I think I said it was my favorite class, and then you did. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> all through us. We all loved it, but um, like seeing it again, I'll, I'll definitely play through it and be really excited about it. But um, 
I just like, oh yeah, cor- corpse explosion, and then oh yeah, you can throw bone spikes at people and raise curtains, <laughs> and it's like, I, I I did that for a hundred hours when I was sixteen, and I think the last thing that Diablo needs is nostalgia. I I, I want to do new stuff in Diablo and see new mm. things. So I felt like it was a little bit of a step back for the series, actually, just to kind of pander to Diablo 2 fans and not kind of push it again. Because the Crusader class they added with Reaper of Souls is fantastic. Like, it's my favourite class of that game now. And the new areas they added, like, they, they really pushed their engine and created some of the best zones in the game. Um, it's about two and a half years now since Reaper of Souls came out, and Diablo has just coasted and coasted. And it feels like it's like this entropic drifting into um, repetitive territory. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I was a little bit disappointed they didn't announce expansion. Yeah, it makes me feel like an expansion is maybe not coming anytime soon. Because yeah. if you had, they had the Necromancer in the works, you would save it for the expansion if you're yeah. going to do an expansion. For sure. So it makes me think they don't have one planned. Mm. And in which case, like, what does Diablo 4 even look like? Because what, one of the things I loved about Diablo 3 was that it was a genuine, like it was a new treatise on, on the action RPG formula, which is like really, really set in stone. But the skill system and the, the classes they chose to put in and, you know, the, a lot of the kind of online stuff they tried, like they were really trying to revolutionize that genre. And, you know, a lot of people didn't disagree with the direction they took, but it was a new take on Diablo. They didn't just make Diablo 2 again. And there's no point in doing that because Diablo 2 is still great and you can still play it. Um, so I wonder what Diablo 4 looks like and how they, how they would even take that next leap into, into a sequel. Did you make a BlizzCon pip? Um, uh, sorry, I was just enjoying Tom flying in the face of popular culture, saying that something doesn't need more nostalgia. <laughs> yeah. Very much King Canute there. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I don't know. It was just so. Like part of me kind of can't really believe that the Sombra ARG is over. <laughs> it's still part of it's me that's so like, years. it's it's still going. Right. This is this is just like one another step. Mm. until the character comes yeah so there's a kind of uh, that that's a weird one um <clears throat> but i don't know it just sort of it kind of just came and went i mean i i, I tried watching the overwatch uh finals the esports thing that they had the world championship show match majiga and that was tedious as well loads of people have been in touch to say that the third place match was a lot better i think that was sweet no finland and russia no russia and south korea was the final and like south korea didn't even drop a map it was like that one-sided it was just like yep okay nope they've got this okay no they've got this as well okay good right fine um and so like that that was underwhelming and the sombra stuff was underwhelming and i don't play diablo but like that seemed underwhelming so i just i don't know whether they just really needed to set everybody's expectations at floor level like we're not announcing anything and then everyone would have lost their minds over anything that they did then announce or whether there was like more just the micro stuff and the community stuff that if i'd been there i'd have sort of felt that you've said about the atmosphere being yeah. amazing but, but it like... always feels like there's a mixture of the the convention itself but also the fact that like there are always surprises there's always you know I, the, the first time i was there heroes of the storm was announced the second time i was there was the first time overwatch was playable and um warcraft legion was announced which was huge for the people who were there at the time that was actually the biggest response that anything mm. get because a lot of people there are wow players um, and there didn't seem to be anything like that this year. Like I did, um, I did, I always watch the 
like I try and find like a, re- a crowd reaction video for BlizzCon stuff because I love watching people get excited about things and you can you know YouTube people who like filmed the announcements on their phones which I don't think they do to try and like bootleg the thing because it is being broadcast on the internet at the same time but I think because those reactions are sometimes you know great and I watched the Sombra one and it was extremely muted by BlizzCon standards in that we know this is happening kind of way. Like, this is what we expected to happen, which I, I think, you know, had they had they not done the AOG at all, yeah, at all, that would have been a rapturous moment. But they her, sort of fucked it up. Her character reveal video was kind of the most sort of enjoyable of those so far, I think. Mm. Like... Some of them have had their moments, but that one, like, it, well, I mean, it kind of felt like there was a self-conscious memeiness to it that has been in, I don't know if mm-hmm. anybody else will have felt this way about, like, Sherlock, the BBC series, but, like, there's a kind of, okay, this is a, this is the part that will end up on Tumblr, this is yeah. the part that will end up this being is the, gif. the gif, yeah. yeah. And so, like, the boop bit at the end of the Sombra video was so that. Yeah. And, like, this moment... Felt like the, the first time she does it, like, to the person yeah. kind of worked for me. Like, it didn't stand out as being um, uh, actively courting um, Tumblr. But then, when, like, right at the end, like, do you remember that bit when we did the other yeah. bit? It wasn't that good. I think my favourite <laughs> bit was where she... Um, made as if to let reaper through a doorway and then like went to close yeah, it again like that was just a nice kind of playful stupid moment between people that kind of know each other and one's messing with the other one like that was just quite nice but the boop thing was just so kind of hi internet <laughs> this is the thing this is the How bit do you do, fellow kids <laughs> oh, yeah it so. was the first one to experiment with being funny at least a bit i think see yeah, they're not yeah. they're not they're not serious in the way that video games are often serious but they take themselves very seriously yeah like the tracer widowmaker one is fundamentally like can you save robot gandhi <laughs> oh, from God. from a blue assassin and then there's like this robot has ptsd yeah which here's the- a bird <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and, then, and like there was a pixarness get- to that but it still mm. was like mm. and the genji hanzo one which is like um most serious thing ever. Like, we want to do a martial arts movie, but we're just going to take all of the ideas from that and then do it ourselves, which is the... And the Winston one. That was just, that that was was just like, a, a bit nothing There's a gorilla. He's a scientist. And there's, like, a baby gorilla that we can now use, monetize. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, maybe I'm just too cynical entirely milkable baby gorilla. <laughs> but, yeah, um, so, it, underwhelming, I guess, is the, the feelings the, of this camp. To digress briefly, the changes to Overwatch are actually pretty cool. I don't know if anyone else has been on the public test realm. I haven't. I've I've stopped playing it, actually. I don't know if everybody else has. But... Have you got PTRSD? <laughs> that barely uh, oh, works. That's... I'll tell um, you what, though. If I have to remember another acronym, I'm going to just explode. Because there's like the public test realm. There's the public test server, which is a different game. The public beta environment. Like so many different versions mm. of these things. Mm. It's ridiculous. Sorry, my voice place. is going. But yeah, it's like, can we not just fix on a name for this? Like we've got early access. Everyone's fine with that. Like mm. Kickstarters. We know what those are. <laughs> So the testy place basically has the what will be the big update, including Sombra. I haven't played her yet because you go into one of the, well, one of the things they have changed is that the um, the only one of each character per team rule is now applied to all Overwatch, not just mm. ranked, which means you will never play Sombra in your life. <laughs> um, well, although they have subsequently moved Pip, 
I spilt hot toddy down my tummy. Oh. I'm sorry. That wasn't I, I was just looking stricken. I, I wasn't expecting t- you to ask. I didn't I didn't know the difference between the I've got something to say on this topic look and the I've spilled something look. Oh. They're really <laughs> similar. Sorry. Um <laughs> you go ahead. Um so so uh, they but what they have done is is broken out what was previously just the brawl part of the menu to be called the arcade and it has loads of modes in there including like a kind of free-for-all mode, which is basically old quick play where you can play any number of different heroes you want. Um, but the other thing that's in there, there are two modes that are in there that took me completely by surprise because I don't pay very, very much attention. So maybe this isn't a surprise. One of them is um, a three versus three elimination mode where it's on a small sort of windy deathmatchy map and you have this, you know, best of five, best of three elimination mode against another team. Uh, it's a lot like Trials of Osiris if you play Destiny. Like you go in, if you die, you're out. You know, the first team to wipe out, the other one wins. And you can change heroes every round. So you can try different compositions like, you know, Anna, Roadhog, McCree works well for various reasons, but you might counter with something else. So that seems like it's got loads of potential. And the other mode I played was their 1v1 mode, which I genuinely thought was just load any player 1v1 with any two heroes. But actually, it's quite a long round-based thing where you'll play like... I think it's like eight rounds, and you play as a different hero every round, and it's always a mirror match. Is it randomly selected? Yeah. yeah. So it's always a mirror match, and at the start, it'll show you, like, your Farah and their Farah or whatever. And um, there are two things that stood out to me about it. One was that um, I ended up ended up feeling a lot friendlier than Overwatch does at the moment. Overwatch has become a real toilet in terms of its community <laughs> online. Uh, but because this is one other person, there's basically, like, well, maybe this is just luck, but the, the people I've played it with were kind of fun and maybe that helps that you're on the public test server and stuff people have got to opt into this and, mm. and be maybe proactive about finding it but it is only the two of you and you have to play each, quite a lot and you're definitely going to be out of your character comfort zone some of the time so um so that seemed to foster this kind of like i don't know like a lot of good luck have funs and lols after silly victories and stuff like that and partly also because some of the some of the the matchups are, are genuinely quite high skill ceiling and they're all, they're all very different but like too far as trying to kill each other is all about dredging rockets and trying to hit people in mid- midair and stuff because it's much more trying to minimize the amount of time you spend on the ground so you're less vulnerable to splash damage two widowmakers trying to kill each other is is a sniper battle two hunters trying to kill each other is, is an archer battle um and two like if you but and if you both like mccree then something that's about managing like the cooldown on his roll that reloads his gun and his flashbang and that stuff all matters but then you get matchups that make no sense whatsoever, like Symmetra versus Symmetra, where both of you create nests full of turrets in different parts of the map, and then <laughs> now, now, perfectly Symmetra violence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Um, and then, and and what happened when, I, when we had a Symmetra off was we both created like little turret nests on either side of the wall, which had like a doorway in it. And both would like pop out of the doorway to see if the other one was interested in going into the other one's death zone, and neither of us really were. It sounds like a kind of thing that David Attenborough would narrate with <laughs> yeah. like you as oh, I'd love the, to see that. That yeah, was a good like, YouTube video idea. The bower bird, like, oh, will you come to my turret nest? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Where does it take place? Like, are these maps a, like you'd recognise so from the it's game? It's a new map called Eco Point Antarctica. Ugh, it's really? A, it's a, it's, it's, Is that it's, where May lives? I guess it might be. Um, and, um, I, I won the Symmetra off. I lost that match though. Um, but like a Reinhardt off makes no sense as well, because mm. if you both charge each other, you both fall over. 
um <laughs> you like you, you have shields <laughs> like you just mm. advance at each other you have one ranged weapon each but it's on a huge cooldown and so eventually you both give up and just hit each other with hammers until somebody wins and so the um that sort of weirdly sort of divergent skill cap I think makes it feel silly, which is a good feeling for it. Because you have the Genji off and it's suddenly mega serious and everyone's trying to chain the combo properly. But then you, you know, it's just two fucking Winstons and all you're going to do is hold left mouse button and jump about until someone loses. Hmm. And it's going to feel really arbitrary. Like loads of the matchups I found came down with the other person winning, but with like 11 health left. Which is because the game is not balanced for the heroes to fight each other. Hmm. And yeah, so it seemed quite fun, basically. So that might get me back into Overwatch more than the new character is, is just having these fun other ways to play it. But that's a bit of a digression from from the Blizzard Con news. The other thing that happened on Monday uh, was N7 Day, thus named because it's November 7, which is not what N7 stands for. Oh, I didn't even realise that's why that was that day. I'm <laughs> 90% sure that's the case. Because... Someone was like, isn't it Shepard's birthday? And I was like, no, I think Shepard's birthday is in April. And they were like, how do you know that? And I was like, I don't remember. <laughs> um, but um, it's April 29th. And if I'm right about that, I feel deeply ashamed. <laughs> Nerd. Um, I might be, might be completely wrong. Um, and this year's uh, N7 day Mass Effect reveal was the new trailer for Mass Effect Andromeda, which I believe everybody has seen. Yes. Yep. What were your thoughts on said internet video well actually i haven't seen all of it because i started watching it and um i didn't get much out of it i kind of didn't really follow what was going on and <clears throat> i suddenly like started to feel like it's really weird to watch a mass effect trailer because i have a very good idea of what this game is going to be like not the nitty-gritty specifics but just roughly what kind of experience i'm going to get and i know a lot about you know what that experience was like for me uh with the original trilogy and I wouldn't really want to see it, any of it in advance. And in particular, like, it's really weird to see it with someone else's main character. Even though I don't know what my Mass Effect Andromeda character is going to be like, mm -hmm. I know it's not going to be that guy. And so I started to just feel really weird about watching it. I was like, I'm kind of spoiling little, not much, but just like little scenes and stuff. And also, it's strange to watch this other guy do it when <laughs> eventually I'm going to do it with like my character. And like most of Mass Effect, I just kind of, completely believe in it as my shepherd story like everything about mass effect is so closely bound to that particular shepherd i created and every time i see someone else's shepherd it's freakish and wrong i was like what the fuck is that That's, <laughs> you've miscast that horribly yeah i remember that for the mass effect 3 um trailers that they had and i was just like i mean this is interesting and everything but who's that guy <laughs> yeah. at least to be fair to them with mass effect 3 they did at least a few of the trailers twice once with the female shepherd and once with the male shepherd yeah but she didn't look like mine anyway no yeah no, the female shepherd was like close to mine but not quite close enough yeah <laughs> it's an interesting trailer like i think i i viewed it differently because i'm just definitely going to play it it doesn't matter what yeah, yeah. they put out so you coming at it from that angle it's a bit different but uh, it feels like what's really new about Andromeda is the exploration phase, the idea that actually you do go down to worlds with the Mako and find things for yourself. And this is just a very kind of straightforward, boom, boom, cinematic trailer <laughs> in the mode of Inception or something like that. And um, it, it just felt like any other kind of generic sci-fi realm, whereas I know the reality is going to be far more interesting because yeah. they've constructed this galaxy. It definitely had the um, the Inception boom. And then <laughs> oh, there's, there's another sci-fi noise that it had that um, I really would like a name for, which is... Um, I think of it as like the plasma fan and it's this kind of whirring noise you can tell something's spinning but it's a very sci-fi thing that's spinning it goes, woo, 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 woo. and it's whenever like a really big thing is about to crash oh, into someone's yes. head or something yeah, yeah, they yeah. always do this oh yeah the, yeah the plasma fan <laughs> yeah Ooh. 
I think I found it so boring. Like, I was just watching this thing and going, really? Like, okay, well, there's Johnny Protagonist. He looks boring. And then there's a gravity well for some reason. I don't care. And then, oh, terrible things are happening, but I don't care enough about any of the people that I've seen so far. Hmm. And then, is that Liara? I don't think that's Liara. Am I a space racist? Because I can't <laughs> tell. And then it, like, ended, and then it was like, oh, by the way, if you could just sign up to our newsletter, that would be awesome. Thanks. And it was just like, I don't... Oh, for God's sake. I was just so annoyed. Like, it just felt so dull. And, like, the protagonist guy looked like the sort of person who would maybe get halfway through the X Factor after the judges' houses bit and just sit there singing dreadful covers of Ed Sheeran songs, you know? You'd just be like, oh, for God's sake, you're fit, but you're really boring. <laughs> Suffered from having... um very generic bad guy lines for the bad guy, the floating bad guy. Uh, yeah, whose yeah. face they don't show, and it's just like, I finally have you in my grasp. Now I know what makes you special. <laughs> yeah, it's just, well, that's meaningless. It's dance. So there's, <laughs> there's a bad guy in this game. Drama discovered. Teach us. Um, uh, the most famous scene for me was uh, famous. The most exciting one was <laughs> um, the bit where the protagonist is running away from the screen, and there's like loads of Salarians just running past them. Yeah. Then suddenly, an enormous spaceship just bursts over a mountain and flies over you, going in the opposite direction. I was like, "Yes, that, that's <laughs> really exciting." Like, yes, <laughs> that's the Tempest. That ship. Oh, the New Normandy. Uh, the New Normandy. And. <laughs> But there isn't a month beginning with T, so we're not going to have a day for that, are we? No. Maybe but, Tuesday. But that's not what the N, that's not <laughs> the N and N7 stands for. Is it not? I no. thought it was N7, like Normandy 7. No. Is that it's not just what a, this is? It's, um, it's a special forces classification oh. in the Mass Effect universe. Oh, shut up now. Um, <laughs> it's like... Uh, so are like, we still N7 people <clears throat> in the Tempest? No. So this is so I know a bit more about what's going on partly because I've frame by framed both of the trailers <laughs> because I had to for work because I do these gallery write ups. Volunteered to for yeah. Work. Well, someone was going to do it, and it's like that is like it's like that. You know that bit in Mass Effect Three with Morden, no, where he says had to have been me. Someone else would have gotten it wrong. No, he mm. died. <laughs> That's what he says before he dies. Yeah. But no, he died before. Oh, that for he, me. yeah, uh, you, you. you I didn't. I didn't manage to save him. At all. <laughs> you just shot Morden when the game started. Didn't you? <laughs> I didn't understand how the thing worked where I could like work out who I saved and who I didn't. Like, so I sent him off because I thought that he'd be alright on his own, I think. Or what... Go on your own, Morden. <laughs> no, I thought that people would be more bothered about chasing after Shepard. And so I'd send the others off to like do secret things on their own. And you sent the barely armed scientist <laughs> to kite them for you. While and, and, then every... and then they would focus on me while every Everybody else ran away. I figured I needed the ones who were more vulnerable, like near me, maybe, and he was kind of all right or something. I don't know. I've forgotten how I thought that would work, but he died. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he will. He is the, on paper, well, in, in the game's internal system, the most vulnerable. It's quite mm, interesting. Most likely to die if you send him in the wrong place. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, having framed framed it, and also because um, um, Game Informer have done that thing they do where they get all this exclusive information and tied in with a cover feature and, and release it very slowly. Um, so I know a little bit more um, now. So um, there are there are, one of the interesting things is that that guy you see as the protagonist in the trailer, Alec Ryder, um, is one of two protagonists that will both exist in the world, but you pick one of them. Um, him mm -hmm. and his sister, uh, who is Sarah, who's in the other trailer. She's she's one that wakes up at the end of the other trailer and says yeah. like, "We made it." Does that mean you don't get to set their first name? 
I don't know. Well, That's the thing that you, so they've, you can, you can change what they look like and, and therefore change what they look like relative to each other, which it happens in Dragon Age 2 as well. Mm. Like your hawk mm. is sort of like derived out into the siblings and parent, um, sort of genetically to make sure they look like a, you know, like a, a, a you know, biological family. What um, was your shepherd called then? Um, one of them was called Shepherd Shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> I think I called one of them Endeavour Shepherd, because that's Morse's first name. Yeah. <laughs> and then one of them was called Just Shepherd. <laughs> Mine was Filbert. <laughs> Pip, take think... it seriously. No, it's because it's my name, but also it's an alternative name for a hazelnut, I think. A Filbert. <laughs> that's a fine reason. And I thought that was quite nice. <laughs> Hazelnut Shepherd. I appreciate that you taking things seriously. It's not the same as me taking things seriously. Taking it very um, seriously. But yeah, so I, I don't know if you can change the names of, of both of them or either of them. Actually, I call them easy. <laughs> um, Night. Yeah, I would actually be finally before them actually setting a first name because they set a surname a couple of times in order to have character bills refer to you by a name. But like, I get quite annoyed in real life. If people call me Thurston. Like, I don't really like that. So. I'm actually okay. And actually, I don't really give a shit about the names that I pick. Like, it's just going to be a, a person name, basically. Mm. So I'd rather people be able to say, like, all right, Jim, or whatever, and actually treat more humanly. I think that actually works better, probably, provided you give another kind it, of Give control. them more opportunities to actually establish formal language versus informal language, and actually yeah. you say things about relationships yeah. by the way people refer to you. I remember in, um, in Deus Ex, obviously, you call JC Denton, but that's actually a code name, and you get to enter your real name at the start. Hmm. And when you get emails from, like, personal friends, they'll address you by your real name. Obviously, they can't say it out loud, because they don't have speech this, this. But um, it was, like, disarming, because like, you forget you've done it, and then, like, everyone's calling you JC, and then you log into your personal computer, and, like, um, Jaime has emailed you and says, Hey, Tom. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I did write that in. Johnny Communist Denton. <laughs> How's it going, Johnny Communist? Okay, thanks. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, first first name's a good idea. First name's a very good idea. But anyway, so, so I think Alec and Sarah Ryder are the, is, the, is the sort of official names of the two of them. And so they, they are going to, I think they will do the thing where they show like a different protagonist in each trailer. Mm. But unlike the Mass Effect ones, it's not like alternate universes where Shepard is mm. male or female. It's which one of them you pick to take with you. Yeah, cool. And the other one is still a character in the story. Uh, that's really neat. Um, and the thing they have implied is that the person in the N7 armor is your father, who will play some role in the story, presumably in a kind of exposition-y, I'm your dad, oh no, I've gone, kind of way. Mm. I hope it's like Costume <laughs> Quest, where whichever sibling you pick, the other sibling is the one who dresses up like candy corn, and therefore gets kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it'd be exactly like that. Um, I think it's like, yeah, I think the candy corn thing is actually one of the pre-order skins, a massive <laughs> grid of pre-order things. When Bioware play Costume Quest, they're like, holy shit, <laughs> they're onto something here. <laughs> so there's, there's loads of other stuff you can drive from that trailer, and it's probably the most information but i don't necessarily want to bore people all the way to death mm. with um, mass effect facts was there anything super interesting that people might have missed so i think the, the this came out slightly before this trailer because it was in the trailer for the trailer oh, for um God's but sake. the it is the first time they've set the time scale for when the game is set okay which is 600 years after the events of mass wow. effect so but, it's probably not Liara. Like, how long are Liara? Uh, they live a thousand years. A so thousand, okay. okay. But, but it's not Liara. It's uh, <laughs> I think her name is PB, but like that's her nickname. PB. Like PB. Is she the one with the purple jacket? Yeah. Like peanut yeah. butter. Yeah, she's got like the. I think it's PB. It might be something like CB. Is there someone else on a team called J? CBBs. I do not know. I'm. She's got like the Michael Stipe 
psh, yeah. across yeah. their eyes. That's what yeah. that's called. Stipe Stripe. Stipe Stripe, yeah. <laughs> Michael Stripe. Um, that had a bear called PB, but it was Potbelly because the bear was Potbellied. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, I, I think it's PB. I, I know it's like two Pooh letters. Bear could be called PB. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the important thing about it is not that it's just 600 years in the future. It's that the journey to Andromeda takes 600 years. So that's how long <laughs> they are in stasis. Like, it's not really clear how what point they leave after the events of Mass Effect. Do your hair and fingernails grow in stasis? <laughs> I guess not, because they all wake up looking hot. As <laughs> Maybe you get like robot stylists in the in the the chamber in the tank yeah, they just... with you. They just eat your hair. As, as we have... <laughs> oh my god, they eat it. You made it weird. <laughs> Sorry. We have algorithmically derived six hundred years of human fashion. <laughs> you have a mullet now. Also, hair is delicious. <laughs> They just nibble Let away. Let me eat at you. the front of your hair, but not the back. <laughs> <laughs> the most interesting thing I learned from the latest kind of info was that. So the idea is they're sending arcs out to find new um, places to settle and mm. to continue the species. But there are three arcs, and they have different species on them. So there's a human arc, and it's four arcs, isn't it? There's four arcs. Yeah, and um, I've seen like a, a bunch of Salarians in in that trade I'm guessing one of them would be like a Salarian arc but that's like a really interesting cool sci-fi idea like how did they reunite on the other side yeah, yeah. how is that going to work based on the amount of Star Trek star falling over in the trailer I imagine something goes wrong with the human arc <laughs> yeah it seems that <laughs> way and there's also apparently something called the Nexus which is going to be like the new Citadel which is kind uh, of like the thing that's supposed to unite all three of them awesome all of them um, so I'm excited about that and that they, the other thing that sort of came out in the trailer someone says you're the new Pathfinder and the Pathfinder is the person responsible for an arc so at some point you're going to be responsible for awesome. finding a path. Ship. Yeah. Why would yeah. you put a brother and sister on board an ark? Surely the point is that you want them to bang and then continue <laughs> the species. So surely you don't. Want they're not to... two by two. It's not like they aren't just two humans on. There. <laughs> two humans on the. Yeah. Uh, it's not like the Earth ark. It's like two humans, two giraffes, <laughs> <laughs> two hippos, two, two cats. Your um, oh. your party would be amazing if that was. Yeah. The case. <laughs> I'll take the giraffe and the lizard. <laughs> I want the chameleon. <laughs> yeah. I want that fucking badass lizard on the uh, on the Planet Earth documentary that escaped to Oh entire... yeah, yeah, the one that got but away you, from the snakes. Hang on, you wouldn't want any Iguana. of them to be in your party because you'd want to keep them safe until they'd had babies, right? So you'd all have to just stay in until someone like <laughs> that's your loyalty mission to stay home and wait. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's a prologue. <laughs> like, yeah, you have to have a litter and then you could leave the ark. I didn't know marine iguanas like. Just eat seaweed. They swim yeah. underwater to eat plants. It's weird though, because they're like a species that has been really, really mined out for wildlife documentaries. Yeah, like they turned up, and it's just like these guys again. I mean, like <laughs> they're great and everything, but like marine iguanas are, are just so done at this point. Like, <laughs> they I, are I the think... turret sequence of animal documentaries. <laughs> but I felt like I, I felt like I'd seen everything that there was to see. But surely they did the chase snake sequence. Thing. Yeah, that so was... yeah, <laughs> that was all about the snakes, though. The best one. We'll put a link. We've got to put a link to. It. Yeah, 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 it is. Not about it too much. Um, but there's one like last snake that makes it all the way up right behind yeah. it, and it makes the last lunge and just falls into this chasm. And that snake <laughs> did not survive that. Like it must be the hungriest snake of all the snakes in that desert. If you were like designing locomotion methods and you made a snake, I feel like I would just be like, "Well, I'm done." 
Oh, if that works, then why, why <laughs> yeah. would I complicate it further? Literally just a, a flexible stick. <laughs> that just shoots along the ground. Yeah, it wasn't. And they're nearly as fast as it. Like, the lizard is faster, but like not by much. Yeah, like, also, the, is basically also the, the lizard looks stupid when it runs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the lizard looks really fucking scared when yeah. it runs. Yeah. It'd be amazing if that's how the Krogan ran. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they, they look really intimidating until they move, and then it's just the sort of flappy lizard yeah. run. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like Zoidberg. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Oh, so glad I managed to land that one back on Mass Effect. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there is, yeah, there's some other interesting stuff in the trailer. Like, the thing that struck me about it, even as someone who's very excited about it and loves that series, it, it did feel enormously familiar. Mm. And in the manner of a lot of modern, like, probably the sequel after you needed sequels, it feels like they're going hardcore back to stuff from the original game. Even though, obviously, the context is very different on the surface of it. Like, um, the villain who you hear speaking feels a lot like Saren. Mm. Like, he has that sort of, like, authoritarian alien with a bony head who talks to you in a sort of, like, <laughs> but I secretly understand what you really are kind of way. Mm. Um, there's a lot of floating towards a monolith. There's, like, three different monoliths in that trailer. There's a lot of, like, what the hell's this alien thing? I'm going to touch it kind of stuff. And also there's the sort of, um, you know, like, the stranger in a strange land thing, which, I mean, admittedly, like, you know, humanity was more established in in galactic society in the first Mass Effect than presumably you are at the start of this one. But that was still, you know, the fact that you're the sort of new species on the scene was such a huge plot point for the first game that, you know, was was present in the subsequent games but became less, you know, less a big deal. And so a lot of those themes feel like sort of quite big throwbacks. Similarly, the fact that, you know, they've gone back to the old Normandy colour scheme for The Tempest and the yeah. Mako is back and... I'm I'm completely okay with people remaking the best Mass Effect game, Mass Effect One, but um, <laughs> but there was definitely a feeling of like this has become a formula now for telling a story rather than this sort of wholly original universe. Like, there's a template for what a Mass Effect story is in the way that there's a template for what a Star Wars story is. But also, they wanted it to be even bigger because otherwise, how would you possibly care about it? It's like, but catastrophe! Mm. And this guy! And that thing! And you're just like, oh, well, I mean, or you could just do something different with those characters in that world that you've established. That would be interesting, too. And maybe they will, but, like, something that stood out to me was, like, the sort of the implicit sort of, like, first images of, of whoever the antagonist aliens mm. are. Um, and they have like two arms, two legs, yeah. guns on their backs. They're bipedal. <laughs> they use guns. Mm. Presumably they learn English at some point. Um, and that's, it's not like, it's not a big deal. And ultimately, like, I'm sure the game will be successful at, at you know, evoking whatever drama it wants to evoke because it's ultimately more about the companions anyway, really. Mm. But the first, like, the series flirted with hard sci fi and some of its ideas, particularly like, why is everyone bipedal? The original Mass Effect trilogy has an answer for that, and it's specifically local to the Milky Way. So for mm. them to go, like, we're going to throw you across the galaxy to show you things you've never seen, including bony men with guns, but you didn't expect <laughs> that. You're like, no, that was the same as where we came. Oh, shit. It's a bit of a, a Star Trek thing, isn't it, where all the aliens are just different foreheads. Than, uh, yeah, but it's yeah. just a Mass Effect. Star Trek also explained at some point. Really? <laughs> yeah, had, uh, yeah, in Deep Space Nine, the, the founders turned out to be the sort of template for everyone right. and so they would like all the species that come from the same source basically and they all look exactly like Michael Stipe <laughs> I don't know like yeah this isn't to criticise the game it's entirely criticising the trailer because like I say I haven't played the game and whatever but as a thing that is supposed to be making me excited about the thing it's really not done that mm. I, I agree with everything Chris said though I am quite excited about 
um, the idea of a company revisiting Mass Effect One with the technology they now have that they that they they'll be able to realise a lot of the exploration aspect of it in a, a way that would be meaningfully different, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, in an open world setting, which it seems to be. Yeah, and I, you know, I think I, I would have been more cynical had there not been a bit where a bunch of people who appeared to be in some kind of peril were um, rescued by the sudden very loud plasma fan experience <laughs> arrival of a big spaceship mm. that is their friend, because that's all I really want. Yeah, and that I think is all of the news. That's enough news. Isn't <laughs> that it? is enough. News. It's been enough news this week. <laughs> it's been enough news. Um, what have you been playing, Pip? Hello. Hello. Um, this afternoon, I have made my first tentative steps into Dishonored 2. Which is Ooh. out today, of, as of the time people are listening to this. Mm. In fact, it's even at the time of recording, it's out tonight, if you pre-ordered it. Mm. Yeah, like you get a 24-hour like day zero, don't you, yeah. for it or something. Which is good, because Bethesda's new policy of giving outlets the game the day before meant we got it two days before General Yeah, so I, that's what I didn't understand. When they talked about that, I thought they meant that the press would get it at the same time pre-orders got it, which is nothing. Uh, But you get it one day before pre-orders, and pre-orders get it one day before release. All the difference. (laughs) You can probably play Dishonored 2 in two days, right? Yeah. You probably can't review it in two days. but (laughs) Uh, I'm not writing the review. Adam's writing the review. That's his problem. Um, I'm extremely excited about the video game Dishonored 2. Me also. Mm. So this is the thing. It's kind of tricky because I don't want to spoil it for you guys. Like, that's a genuine concern. And so I'm not sure what would constitute a spoiler because I know kind of how much it means to people (laughs) to just sort of play through it. So I'm genuinely not sure what to tell you apart from that I am... How much you like it? Yeah. How nice is it? (laughs) Um, I'm actually... I'm really liking it so far. It feels right to the point where at the beginning i'm i am playing through this first time as emily and like i had thought that i couldn't remember control systems and things because i just don't really have a memory for that but i did find myself being like oh for god's sake why can't i see through a wall or (laughs) you know why why can i not like blink fast travel thing to that thing or she doesn't have like an x-ray vision this was like just at the very beginning mm. so it's like bef- you know when you're just a, a regular human m- man girl i feel like what dishonor is <laughs> like x-ray vision is um yeah i messed that one up it's is a stealth uh standard <clears throat> and it's really good and i think it, it's good that it's, it's in these games Relax. i feel like dishonor is one of the games that struggled with its implementation where it felt conflicted about whether it wanted to give it to you or not it felt like it had decided mechanically that you do need it, but it wanted to punish you for using it, but not mechanically. It would just make it ugly, and you had to keep reactivating it. Mm. And it wasn't like, it didn't really cost you anything to reactivate it, but it just, you kept having it to do it. It was a pain, yeah. Kind of, it didn't want it to be on mm. all the time. Um, yeah, um, what else can I tell you? Like, because I can tell, because I'm, I'm honestly not far in. I've just sort of done, like, an intro slash prologue thing. So I can How maybe does... tell you about that, or... How does the tentacle thing feel versus Blink? So... <laughs> I really like it. <laughs> yeah, there's a definite sense of grabbing and pulling, which I wasn't expecting. I just mm. assumed it would be a version of Blink, and it very much does seem like... Because um, I think 
you end up slightly above where you were going because it's grabbing at. Yeah, there's and then, a, the yeah. cursor you get when you aim it is like an arc. It's almost as it's though like you're a throwing something. Arc oh wow! Yeah, and um, I found just jumping. I won't say where it was, but I was just like in an open area and just jumping up and then vaunting up. It flings you, and you have a momentum that continues, so nice. you can fling yourself up mm, almost like a Spider Man, yeah. and just kind of fly past and over a barrier and in onto a rooftop or something. Because Tom, I remember you saying that you were thinking about playing Corvo first because you love Blink so much that you thought you couldn't do without it. Yeah, I think they've they've, they've definitely given it a meaningfully different feel that I already really enjoy. Mm. It just it just feels really really fun to use. Um, but I've not actually experimented with the stealth systems yet. So obviously they can see you while you're doing the weird tentacle thing because you tend to notice that sort of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I find myself and noticing anyone doing weird tentacle things. Um, but yeah, I was well in, I was basically planning to do Corvo and I just thought, I just did a test run. I thought I'll restart it and actually pick my real character. But I'm going to go with Emily now, definitely. Yeah. Just, um, how about you, Pip? Did you get to mess around with her? I really Universal? liked her. Like, uh, as in, I, I think I just like anything at the moment where i don't have to be the gruff dude <laughs> anyway and so like automatically that's more interesting and i've kind of even so early on i've met more interesting people and like sort of found myself pottering and and looking at things and um reading things in a way that i don't think i i think i burnt out on reading things in the last <laughs> game like mm. i was just like oh this is surprisingly Large amount of reading in Dishonored. Yeah. Like, if you want to get everything from it, like, there's a lot of books in that game. Like, obviously I can't speak to Corvo's side of things, but the the Emily side of things has been... I've felt more rewarded by the readings. Like, I, I found a thing that was, like, I think it was just an old textbook of hers when I was on my way somewhere, and it had, like, the notes that had been added to the bottom of it, and, like, it was just quite nice. It was, like, more of a feeling of... Mm. Almost in, like in Gone Home, like, you mm. know, that, that sense of there being a person behind this. N you know, obviously not to that extent, but I'm just thinking in terms of <clears throat> documents that feel inhabited somehow by humans rather mm. than just strewn. They, yeah. They've also massively taken advantage of the fact that the protagonists are now voiced. Mm. Emily comments on things all the time. She's mm. always thinking to herself and talking about things. And that gives you a really cool sense of who she is and also what she thinks of the world like it's a good ex exposition device and tells you more about who you are and I think functionally like the way the story positions you as Emily makes for a more interesting story than the very traditional you know when you reverse it it's just very traditional but as Emily yeah it's, it's really interesting mm. there's yeah. a there's a bit at the beginning where you're sort of just either reminding yourself of control systems or you know it's it's the tutorial but it's Corvo teaching Emily and so it's a kind of like almost like he drills her on these um on these like maneuverings and things and is like teaching her self defense and is teaching her you know and it's kind of and he's also really proud of her when she gets him in a chokehold and stuff <laughs> like that and it's just like and he taps out rather than passing out but it's kind Aww. of like well, and he's just like that's my girl it's a, it's a throwback <laughs> to the start of the first game right where, you, where yeah, Emily, asks, hide and seek Emily asks you to play hide and seek with her and mm. if you do that teaches you stealth functionally but is that yeah. after you've picked a character um no that's before okay so even if you're going to play as Corvo you still sort of play that yeah, so I think it's still very much showing you that this is... Uh, to be mm. fair, I think you could skip the tutorial if you wanted to, mm. but it's more that I didn't want to. But have... it, it has reminded me that I'm sort of stuck somewhere in the middle now in terms of control systems, because the keyboard, I'm struggling with the keys because things like 
crouch like i automatically try and go for like control mm. or something but it's c yeah. yeah and but it's because control is like this other thing and alt is another thing and my hands are just not getting it <laughs> but when i tried to use the controller like the aiming is just so nothingy yeah. that i can't do it without the mouse so i'm just sort of in this weird like halfway house in terms of my abilities with the control systems so that's a bit a bit weird the old thing is weird is uh, that's how they do leaning um i didn't realize until like i messed around with it towards the end that actually you can just use q and e to lean oh, without alts oh, yeah sod it. so you only need alt to actually pop your head up a little bit um, is there more <laughs> granular leaning now um not <laughs> no on not on keyboards <laughs> I've, I've not tried it with pads, but that was a great thing about pads that you could just kind of edge out, right? In Dishonored. Well, because in Dishonored 1, leans are invisible, and this is one of the bigger changes. Like, no, right. so if you're behind a wall and you lean, like, even though technically, like, half your torso is around the wall, right. you can never be seen. Because mm. you're, you're, the, the model that the AI is looking for is behind the wall, sorry, yeah. that's yeah. One thing they've changed, and apparently it's a mutator now, you can switch on or off, mm. in like sort of the, the deeper optional settings, is, is leaning visible and oh, leaning okay. is visible in mind. I, I found that I've leaned very audaciously and they've not <laughs> noticed me but that might be that maybe it defaults to off it's, so. I think it defaults to like a, so like a curve so oh, it's like if you do it for uh, eventually like if you keep basically in the original design you can do it forever <laughs> and they will never notice okay whereas in this it's like if you lean a lot they'll be like there's a jaunty leaning person over there <laughs> Um, yeah. Apparently, there's some other there's, things you can change, like the the height of a vision cone as well. People can look up now, which yeah. is interesting. Huh. One of my favorite tweets ever was, um, I think it maybe started with Steve Gaynor asking if you could lean in Dishonored whilst possessing a rat, <laughs> <laughs> and then JP LeBreton, um, who is also a former 2K um, developer, uh, replied to say that uh, rat lean consumes. Um, Normal mana and rat mana, but <laughs> regular lean consumes only lean mana and not regular mana. <laughs> it's just like perfect game design fiction. <laughs> and so you can't lean as a rat or a fish. <laughs> oh, well. But yeah, like I, I'm also six kills into my non-lethal playthrough. <laughs> which, How has that happened, Pip? Oh, just like. You so, lean on someone too hard. Oh, God. So I leaned once, um, <laughs> and that was fine. I watched a man go past me and face away from me, and then I sneaked up behind him and choke-held him, and and he he survived that, as far as I could tell. Admittedly, I did try and put him in a fire, <laughs> but the game wouldn't let me. There was, like, a fire guard in front of it, and so I was just like, oh, sod it. <laughs> For a reason, Pip. That's there for people's so safety. I, well, so I left him, like, propped up against it just in case I could, like, scorch his back or something. <laughs> you were trying was, to kill this man, he, I well, say. I was trying to, like, teach him the error of <laughs> um, I'm not a good person in Dishonored <laughs> While at I'm all. unconscious. Um, and then I was going down some stairs and into a room and... I spent ages doing this the stealthy way and he was like doing a circuit of the room humming to himself and having a little chat and then I waited until he was facing the other way and then I choked him and then I was just like mm. and then I cut off his arm um <laughs> why <laughs> i don't i think i just didn't want him to wake up like it suddenly, it suddenly yeah this is called killing people <laughs> it suddenly occurred to me that i wasn't sure if he would come to and so i was like Best cut off his arms well i wasn't sure how long the next part would take and i didn't i want wanted to do it not literally i just don't want anyone to ever wake up <laughs> 
I didn't want him to come up behind me if I was doing the next bit stealthily, you know? <laughs> and if he did, if he was going to come up behind you, you wanted him to not have one arm. <laughs> I picked up the arm and walked it around a bit. I think I left it in a fruit bowl. <laughs> um, Pip, at what, part, at what part of the non-lethal thing At least clicked? one person didn't die so far, right? <laughs> and then... Then I went into a room, a big room, and there was like the key target there who the game explicitly tells you that you can either kill or not kill. And I was like, I'm not going to kill you. But there were two other people, so I thought I'd deal with them. And I stood directly behind one of them and was choke holding him. And it would have all been fine if the other one had like turned away for a bit longer. <laughs> but he turned around and was just like, it's Emily Caldwin. <laughs> and I was like, fly me. Was it, was it Danny Dyer? <laughs> Well, but the thing is, I'm not even sure whether he was in a chokehold. I might have just stood up behind him and was like trying to work out which key it was. So I think I was just stood there, really. Um, And then so I panicked a little bit and stabbed them both. And then um, the other guy had sort of run off into the other room with the dead guard by then. And I was like, oh, should have hid the rest of him, not just his arm. And then I thought he might like stop being aware you know how they do they go from like hazard hazard to like oh it's probably fine like a Roomba yeah basically <laughs> um but he I, I'd hidden in a corner but like there was nothing special about the corner it wasn't even in shadow <laughs> and he just kind of came back around the corner and was just like oh it's you and and we had a fight and I stabbed him mm. um so he was dead and then I accidentally I think fell off something, so I was dead. Um, <laughs> the most lethal playthrough of all. <laughs> and then I went across some rooftops and I dropped down behind someone, I think. I'm trying to remember how this went. And I, I think I managed to like sneak behind someone and I was so impressed with myself that I went to choke hold someone else and then the original guy saw me and chased after me so I left the the choke held guy he was actually like just unconscious but I kind of left a few more people dead around him because that was inconvenient and then I choked out another guard and moved him so no one would know and sort of just threw him in a corner, which, fine, whatever, no one's going to know. That was fine. And then, but then I couldn't work out how to do the next bit because I had to sneak past, like, maybe three guards. And then there was also just some random man sitting on some steps looking miserable. And I didn't know whether he was going to knock on me, you know, or whether he was going to just, like, sit there. going to be cool. Yeah. And then, so I picked up a bottle... And I should really have probably learnt my lesson from all bottle-based stealth in the previous games. <laughs> but I threw it. And I thought I was going to throw it into the middle of the street so that all of the guards would move away and, and stare at the bottle for enough time that I could get past. And maybe the guy on the steps would investigate too. But what happened was I threw it at my foot. <laughs> And so everyone just came over <laughs> because they were just like, oh, well, I mean, there you are. <laughs> I was like, oh. um, and that's how I died again. 
Um, Must so- be really weird for guards to like have a lot of experience of stealth players throwing things to distract them. It's like, this sounds like a distraction, but th- they are right there. That is her, right? That's just definitely Emily. <laughs> Maybe they thought it was a double bluff. And that happened, like, not the bottle thing exactly, but I died a few more times in that section. Um, so how I solved it in the end was, um, I ran. I just, like, <laughs> I just absolutely booked it along the street and then didn't stop running until I jumped into the, the sea. And <laughs> um, that was how I did the first level. <laughs> and, like, everyone was, like, shrieking, running after me, and then I just sort of swam around until they forgot to keep looking for me. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got on a boat. <laughs> I like the. I've used the ocean quite a lot because it's not just instant death when you go into water now. Oh. Mm, uh, it's not really swim. in Dishonored 1, you just get eaten by fish eventually. Uh, so it's like a time limit. Did the thing. fish have like a name? Slaughterfish. Really? Uh, yeah, that's what they <laughs> what are in Elder Scrolls as well. <laughs> is, am I wrong? Maybe I am wrong. River, no, River Craig is, is the. Th- no, you are right. Slaughterfish is Elder Scrolls. Because there's also God. in Half Life that also has like razor sharp fish that attack you. And I feel like there's a game that has razor fins or razor fins. has that, doesn't it? Like, you can yeah. get Mechanically, yeah. I'm just yeah. trying to think what the name is. Hmm. I'm so sure it's thought of Slaughterfish, but now you are right. I think that is Elder Scrolls. Also, all of the fruit that you encounter comes from somewhere. Like, it says, like, mm. oh, you know, like, it's a... What are the names of these places? Morley, Gristle. A Gristle-like pear or something yeah. you know it's mm. things nice. like that all of the fruit has names and then i just found a carrot and a potato and it was just like well they're local where <laughs> but i mean where's the where's the effort <laughs> i found myself going down a pier and um killing people silently and then disposing of the bodies by throwing them into the water mm. only realizing halfway through that that, that does kill them i mean <laughs> they you could don't be unconscious in the water and then survive. Uh, it's not a good combo, no. So it's, it's a passive-aggressive way to get my chaos. Is there, so both for you... the bath, and you get to go for the bath. It makes a really satisfying plunk sound when they go into the water as well when you throw them in. It's really good. Yeah, it sounds like you guys are choke holding a lot of people, and I'm really enjoying all of your variations on the past tense of chokehold. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, but I also heard that there's going to be loads of non-lethal options this time. That they're all like non-lethal is going to be better catered to, and there'll be more fun stuff to do in non-lethal ways. Yeah, the, has that the, been true yet? The non-lethal drop takedown looks so fucking Ooh. lethal <laughs> <When you're> uh, <laughs> it's amazing you just sort of you just fall on someone and then choke them but it's like don't you just really whack the back of their head on the ground yeah you well, sort of land on their shoulders like... and then you just kind of like swing around and whack their head with the full force of your weight having fallen like 12 feet already yeah. into the it's like oh, non-lethal he's fine no it's still, he'll it's come like, out I think it's, it's like the Batman version of yeah. non-lethal yeah, I didn't yeah. mean to kill him therefore he's alive but the game is actually still on my side because at the very end in the like end of mission screen it has like a um, a graph and so on one of the axes it goes from lethal to non-lethal and on the other one it goes from stealth to assault Whoa. and so I I was in assault, but only just in non-lethal, but non- still non-lethal. <laughs> yes. Non-lethal assault. Non-lethal assault is just running. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about that, outsider? Look where I am on the weird graph. <laughs> so that was good. That was nice. <laughs> I've got to say that they've, they've changed everything about the outsider, but he's exactly as oh, dumb God. and irritating as he was before. Why is he in there? <laughs> it's fine to have him. I wouldn't mind him being I've there. I've been watching you, Emily, dumb. this time. <laughs> I've been looking at what you're doing and just... Judging it in some way, yeah, it doesn't exactly matter. The same. It's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs>
performance poetry and a rune. All right. And I'm really excited about it. The only, the only issue I've had has been some pretty bad technical problems that hopefully they'll patch when it's actually out. So I don't want to. It sounded like the traditional id tech day one streaming yeah. issues, right? Yeah, loads of kind of like suttering sound and like weird suttering kind of texture loading problems and stuff. Hmm. Everything that I've got, the settings are on low, and hmm. that seems to be largely okay. But when I was traversing water, the game just freaked out right, and stuttered for a billion squillion years. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, no, right. So it must still be going on. No now, hyperbole right? here. <laughs> Papers have to full rich epoch <laughs> life lifetime yeah. on a geological scale in the time it's taken her to swim around murdering people by accident. Amazing. Yeah. But like so I'm having fun, but I'm also looking forward to seeing somebody who is far more adept than me like make use of these systems. Because mm. me it's it, it is just I'm gonna try. Everyone's going to die, probably me as well, and then I will just run screaming through the middle of it, like until someone stops me or I reach a checkpoint. The plot of every dishonored level for you is a terrible misunderstanding, gets everybody killed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. Now where the hell are my runes? <laughs> I've got to decide how I'm going to play it because, like, in the time since Dishonored, I remember like Dishonored definitely played in a pretty lethal way, and the last DSX game I played in a lethal way, not Mankind Divided, but uh, Human Revolution. And then uh, Mankind Divided, I just went totally non-lethal, and I just sort of found out that I've, in that time, I've become a non-lethal player. So am I going to stick that with Dishonored? Like, I definitely, I was not sorry that I killed people in Dishonored 1. I was very glad I did it. (laughs) It was was so much more fun. There's so much more tools and ways of doing it. And they have specifically tried to address that, but... um, I don't know if I'm, how how <laughs> principled I'm going to be about this. Mm. I'm going to stick to my traditional rule of, do they deserve it? <laughs> do you have the heart again? Do you want to know? Yes. That was best okay. <laughs> it's in like one of the earliest trailers. Oh, then yes. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> well, I, I think... I, but like, do you... I remember a news story about like the headline was every no, guard has a backstory. Is there a choice? Well, I mean... There are, probably get it either way, don't there you? There are, well, I don't know. I genuinely <laughs> don't know. I've heard Ooh, enough. It was definitely the in the, the, when I saw it, it played at Arcane, it was certainly treated like, a, and this is how you find stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Similar to... Yeah, I mean, I don't know how they would do it otherwise. Yeah, but, sure. Yeah. Like, yeah, you do have heart and you can point they, stuff and get like, interesting things. They had a different solution. That's that a carrot. <laughs> it's local. Tasty <laughs> <laughs> carrot. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> very exciting. I'm very much looking forward to playing it. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. So are you uh Pip, are you enjoying it more than the first one? Because I know you You liked the first one but didn't stick with it, I guess. No, I finished it. Oh I, yeah. For some reason I just thought you murdered everyone on the golden cat and that was Oh no, that's like that's where my streaming of it stopped. Oh. Because <laughs> it felt like I was just <laughs> No one needs to see what happens next. Yeah, like, I, I just I didn't really need an audience for that because people would like turn up and just be like, Oh my god, <laughs> What's gone on? I'm like, well, mm. um, but yeah, no, I really loved the first one. I was really late to it though, mm. um, and then, but I wasn't sure whether I would pick this up simply because, um, or rather, that I was, I wasn't sure whether I was going to play it while everybody else was, because it had actually been nice coming to it completely at my own pace mm. after the talk had died down. Um, so like, I think it was like, it was a couple of years after the original had come out and I was like, okay, it's, uh, you know, I just get to, to play it and have my own thoughts and not have to, I guess, provide 
like a a response within a certain amount of time just because that's you know that's how the industry works it was quite nice to just be able to i guess let it let it ruminate or breathe a bit i guess what have you been playing tom uh many things uh the igf <laughs> judging season is open now so um uh lots of people are getting access to lots of indie games and i have you get assigned a bunch and you've got to rate a certain number of the ones you're assigned before you're allowed to go looking for things that you're actually uh you know seeking out to play which is i think a good idea um and i've played my three assigned games and surprisingly i haven't voted i haven't nominated any of them for awards but they're all good <laughs> it's that like the thing i've been um i think it's kind of uh that strikes you about the IGF selection usually is um, that a huge percentage of the stuff you feel like you could have told the developer, like, don't enter this. <laughs> I'm not saying you'll never have any success with it, but it's not, you're not going to win an award for it. It's not going to be. It's just like, it's so rudimentary. It's like everything you're doing has been done a hundred times before. Mm. And it's not necessarily bad, but it's just, you know, um, uh, it's never going to get anywhere. But everything I've played so far has been actually worthwhile. Mm. <laughs> And so I had to write down the names because I'm not going to remember them. One is Ophidia, which is a top-down game where you are... It's like a really advanced version of Snake, <laughs> um, where it's completely kind of fluid and, um, and not assigned to a grid or anything. Um, and instead of a... You are still trying to avoid eating yourself, but the way you defeat enemies is to circle them, and then you do have to eat your own tail... But you have to eat the exact end of your tail. If you eat any earlier in your body, you actually hurt yourself and you lose some of your length. Um, but if you successfully bite your exact the end of your tail, then you encircle them and you kill them and you gain length from doing that. And every level is like, it's got a very nice art style to it. Um, looks kind of, um, uh, looks kind of like traditional religious art of some kind. I don't know exactly what, um, <laughs> era or nation, but, um, uh, it's definitely very stylized, and each level has a kind of giant creature in the middle of it, and it's way too big for you to circle, so you have to kind of circle everything else around it. Um, and then later on, it has mechanics where, like, it's strange. I didn't really figure out what the challenge part of it, or how the challenge was interesting, because there would be, like, an enemy that has a, a vision cone that scans left to right, and mm. that's a concept I'm very familiar with, and I'm very familiar with, like, dodging those things. But if you're going to circle him, you're going to have to just skirt wide enough that his vision cone doesn't hit you ever. Like, it's not a case of timing. It's just like, you just have to get really big and then circle him from a very large radius and then just get him anyway. Um, so I, I didn't know if that was supposed to be a sort of timing challenge, but it didn't, I couldn't figure out a way that it could be. It would just seem like a thing that you just get big enough to do it and then you do it. And then eventually you get big enough to circle the boss in the middle and you do that and you win. Um, it's nice and relaxing. It doesn't really go anywhere. I felt like that it's, as it started to get harder and introduce more enemy types that could jump around and stun you and stuff, it just got more annoying. It was right. just kind of irritating to try and draw a circle around those things. But while it was easy, it was fun. Um, then there was frog climbers, <laughs> in which you are a frog and you must climb. It's a lot like uh, GURP, Bennett Foddy's climbing game which is mm. where you're like a, a guy on a climbing wall every every handhold has a different letter and you press that letter on the keyboard to kind of reach towards it in this you're a frog and you're, there are handholds in a very similar way but instead of those being labeled the keys on the keyboard you play it with a, a 360 pad and 
your left stick controls the muscles of your left arm and your right stick controls the muscles of your right arm. And so if you want to reach for a handhold, you push the left stick up to reach with the left hand and then you press the left bumper to kind of grip onto it. And then you want to reach onto like another handhold above that. And in order to do that, it's very logical physically, but it feels weird controls-wise. You have to push the left stick down because the hand that's already gripping the thing, even though you want to go up, you want to pull down with that arm in order to lift your body up. And oh, at so the same you're time, trying to get purchase on the, yeah. on the thing. So you're already gripping this thing, but you want to kind of haul your body up. And muscle-wise, that translates to a downward movement with that arm whilst doing an upward movement with the other arm, and then you grip on with that. And it's one of those things where, like, if you're trying to think through everything you're doing, it's really difficult. But then if you just remember that, like, oh, it's always up with one until you grip it, and then when you do that, you just switch and you put down with that one and up with the other one and you grip with the other one and then it just becomes alternating. It is, um, seems to be mainly designed as a local multiplayer game and I haven't played it at the local multiplayer. I've only played it on my own. Um, the levels are randomly generated. It doesn't have like a single player sort of structure. It doesn't, uh, you just generate a level and you play it and that's it. Um, and so that feels very designed for multiplayer. But it is, it feels really nice to play and it's very slick and there are levels with like rotating wheels that have ropes on them and it feels like there is lots there they don't really explore it i I feel like there's almost like a really interesting puzzle game to be made of this because you grab onto like a dangling rope from a wheel thinking okay i'm on this wheel now and then you realize when this wheel rotates to its uppermost position i'm still on a rope and gravity means that i'm hanging below that so i'm not as high as i could be so actually like when you first grab onto a wheel you want the lowest hanging thing and then once you're on the wheel, you kind of want to clamber across it to get to the thing that's most fixed to the wheel. And then that lets you get to the highest position. And then later on, they're like, well, if you pick a certain kind of level generator, then you get wheels that spin really fast. And if there's a rope on that, then that's good because it's getting you onto the outer circumference and the swing is is faster there and because the angular velocity is constant. And so the actual velocity is faster on the outer rim. So there's all these like, interesting physical concepts. It doesn't really explain or... Um, it's not difficult to grasp them, like you get them intuitively, um, but it doesn't make much of them. It's just like, oh, if you happen to click this kind of generator, you will encounter this interesting situation and realize the generator seems to be really smart and it will generate situations where you need to, the fact that this wheel is spinning fast is not coincidence. You need to use that in order to fling yourself. So you grab onto this rope and then you, it's flinging you around and then you let go at just the right time to fling yourself across to the other side of the, um, the climbing route and then in midair, slam the grip buttons to just grab onto whatever you possibly can and then from there like take it more methodically and that feels really really cool um and then the other one was uh <laughs> there was no chance of remembering this name out buddies <laughs> and then it, it's got like some x's in it and some dots and some brackets i think <laughs> um and it's a metroidvania game that i've never played any metroid games or any Vania games. I think they're Castlevania games. Castlevania. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I never played any of those, but I have played uh, Axiom Verge, which is also inspired by them, and this is very much like Axiom Verge um, in that it's, it's very low-res pixel art, very limited color palette. Um, the main enemy is a thing that hugs walls and ceilings and just like slowly moves around them, and if you touch it, you get hurt. Um, but it's very nicely made. It's uh, I don't know if it's... I think I... Action Verge feels more accomplished. It's, it's very much more um, uh, consistent and uh, has loads of mechanics packed into it that are really interesting. Um, this one, 
there's definitely a lot to it and it's really nice it looks really nice um and you have a kind of drone that follows you around and one of your abilities is to use that drone to like use telekinesis on certain kinds of objects and move these big blocks of stone around and they're just kind of governed by physics and you can also use that drone to like scout around and look at the rest of the level um and it was in some ways the most intriguing of the three and that i kept on i wanted to keep playing it to find out what would happen next um but at the same time it's also not really my genre i actually don't really like metroidvanias because mm. i i hit a thing i don't know if i should be able to solve it now or whether i've got to come back with some other ability and usually it turns out i've got to come up with some other ability and then what i what happened with Axiom verge actually was i played it for a long time and got lots of cool abilities but then i just got to a point where i'm just like i just don't Can't know where that. i have been or where <laughs> yeah. i haven't been i don't know what the possibilities are and there's it's got so big now that i just don't know like if there was a thing i passed six screens ago but i haven't been to that screen in 17 screens and now i've got a thing that would have helped me pass that so i don't really like that structure but it does seem promising yeah that structure is kind of um stuff like metroid prime on the old gamecube did a good job of kind of kind of doing more of the ui to highlight where the place you should probably be looking at is almost like through exclams on maps and stuff like that rather than just and um, what you tend to look at in these games is what is the outline of a room that has a hole in it that suggests yeah. a door that is unopened and you're kind of looking for that really obscure thing in an enormous convoluted map and by that stage it's just like it's a game about it's like where's wally isn't it it's like where's the little <laughs> hole in this series of rooms i think zelda used to do it by just having like you'd have the general map that you could access through the menu screens but if you were in a room it would just show you that localized area and so you could sort of just do a quick scan of of things and wander around and see oh is there a room that it doesn't look like i've been into or couldn't access mm. or that was like always just quite a nice quick Helps, way Less boring, isn't it, than just going into a load of random rooms and yeah. <laughs> looking around. How finished were the IGF games? Because I think when I when I was doing a bit of judging a year or so ago, like one was just it felt like it it was nowhere even near a finished. Yeah, game. I'm used to seeing a lot of garbage, and so I was quite <laughs> pleased that my first three were all things that that felt like they're already good. I think the um out buddies one is probably not that finished um but i didn't get to the end of it so i can't really uh you know uh critique its length or anything uh but that will like a lot of the controls felt very fiddly and i feel like it needs to go through huge rounds of testing and have people say hey this is annoying <laughs> change this yeah. um whereas the frog climbers if that indeed is what it was called <laughs> um it feels really slick and just done they could just release that uh, unless they want to add like a, a series of single player levels which i think that would be great um and the snake thing also feels done although i personally sort of wanted to be a slightly different game and wanted to be the more of like a meditative relaxing type thing um and that was a pc build that i played but it also feels very designed for mobile it feels like a, a tablet game where you sort of trace with your finger where you want your snake to go um but yeah it basically seems finished there's i mean this is a long time ago now but like there was a rule in the igf where if you become a finalist you can't enter again so it kind of incentivizes you as a developer to only enter when you're done. Like Gunpoint, I entered a long time before release, so like a year before release. And Heat Sinker, I'm not going to enter until it's actually out, and because I want to give it like its one chance. What have you been playing, Tom? I know you've been. I was wondering. Uh, so I really struggled to remember the name of this <laughs> for a long time, and I it's 
final clip for me on discovering that the protagonists are called Nick and Nora. And so it's Nick and Nora's Infinite Warfare. <laughs> it's Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, but I can never remember the Infinite Warfare part because there's Advanced Warfare, there's Modern Warfare, and there's Modern Warfare 2 and 3. Finite Warfare. Yeah. <laughs> Call of Duty Finite Warfare is a weird yeah. entry. But yeah, you, your character is called Nick. Your your main psychic is called Nora, <laughs> and so Nick and Nora's Infinite Warfare. Suddenly, I can remember it. Um, you have you guys played that? No, not yet. Not at all. Oh, okay. No. Um, it's been out for like a week, hasn't it? Yeah, it's not the sort of thing I would pay money for. It's. Uh, I was very. I think we talked about it actually when uh, E3 happened because the trailer for it was uh, just happened without it introduced. Uh, without oh, yeah, the surprising it was rad. And yeah, it was like, yeah. what the fuck is this awesome game? And it turned out to be a Call of Duty. <laughs> and that was a surprise. Uh, so it's the space one. And it's very, uh, I don't know, from just seeing that, I was still half thinking it would be like basically modern day, but it happens that there are spaceships that exist. And so sometimes you go to space. But no, it's totally space. It's like a lot like Mass Effect, actually, where um, you have a giant sort of capital ship that you are captain of and you go to a map place and you look at a solar system and you you decide which planet you're going to go to next and which mission you're going to do and there's loads of optional ones um and the main thing that piques me my interest is that uh a significant proportion of those missions are to break into a spaceship <laughs> which is literally my whole deal <laughs> and uh the first one of those um actually maybe not the very first one of those but uh, the first one that you choose to do um uh the first one i chose to do is to like break into a spaceship and assassinate a whole bunch of people and so it's actually a stealth mission and it's so nearly exactly what i want and it is very very good um but uh so you you get to one of the things i really like about this game in general is that um feels like loads of stuff they've done is all about kind of player choice and just like stripping away a lot of the um scriptedness of previous games it's still very scripted but it's they want all of the system stuff that does exist they want you to have control over it so all of the weapons i remember in um the last one that i played advanced warfare i think it was called um there was just one type of sight on the gun that when you look through it would highlight enemies and not highlight friends and so i was just obsessed with that because that's the one like i need you to solve that problem for me i can't distinguish my mm. with my eyes as to who is my friend and who is my uh, enemy and if i don't have that sight in this game and in the last game i will out of a crowd of 12 people zoom in on the head of my friend and shoot him directly <laughs> in the face like they will just reliably pick them out of a crowd and like that guy i'm gonna shoot that guy and then it says no that's your guy that's your friend um so i would uh, like desperately just scour the battlefield for any weapon that had that scope i didn't care what it was i didn't care if it's an assault rifle or sniper rifle or shotgun or whatever i just take that thing because i can see what the enemies are and this time for every mission you go to the armory and you have free choice of any weapon you've discovered or found in the field um and free choice of any upgrade that you found in the field as well and one of them is that scope that lets you see who's friends and who's enemies and um you can also add silences and damage boosts and all this other stuff but you know rather than all this stuff just being found randomly um you actually get to decide what you want and if you like something you just stick with it forever um so i really really like that and so i'd i did this stealth mission where i had given myself like silences on everything and I was so into it. I was like, I'm going to intentionally not take the most powerful weapon because one of them is a pistol and I just want a science pistol and that's the thing I, I want on a stealth mission. Um, and I was having great fun and the, the whole first... You sort of... 
it's a little bit weird because they kind of know you're there, but then you break into their spaceship and then it's still a stealth mission, um, which makes a certain amount of sense in some situations and not so much in others. And so this first one, you kind of sneak through and you, if you can take someone out without them seeing you first, then it, you, your stealth is maintained. And I was uh, really enjoying that for the first couple of kills. And then you, like, you break into their bunks, and I'm all ready for this. I'm probably going to, like, do stealth melee attacks on them and take them down silently that way, or I've got my silence pistol in case they turn around or anything else happens. But as soon as you go into the bunks, it puts your weapons away and you bring out a knife. And now instead of pressing the melee key to knife people, you press normal fire to melee people. And you can still press the melee key, I think, but, um, it just, I try to switch back to my weapons because I'm like, no, I want the science pistol in case someone sees me at range and I, I can deal with that. But it just doesn't let you. It's just like, we've decided, the script says, you knife these people, therefore we're just going to take all your weapons away and force you to use the knife. Even though I was already going to use the knife probably anyway because it's, it's a stealth mission. And I was, so that kind of ruined that, um, part of it. And then you get a disguise and, uh, while you're in disguise, it has this whole like stealth meter system that works for both people seeing you and also if you're in disguise how suspicious they are of your disguise um and so you get to walk around inside an enemy ship with people like all on their patrol routes um who they're allowed to see you but if they get really close to you then they start to get suspicious um and you get to just walk by them and that works really well until there's a certain point where like in the game's defense it's pretty clear that what happens is your friend gets discovered and so all the guards are fighting your friend and you're still in disguise and they haven't spotted you and they don't automatically detect you which is good um but then you get you literally situation where your friend is at the end of this corridor she's shooting at these guards the guards are shooting at her and you like radio messages to say oh they still don't know i'm here i'm right behind them and then the game expects you to kill them all and after that point you are your disguise is blown everyone already knows you're an enemy uh, but I didn't attack them because I'm like my disguise is more important than this fight. I think you'll take them. I think you, you know you're a you're <laughs> a superstar. Uh, you're amazing at combat. Like these guys are just grunts. You'll probably take them all out. Is this Nick or Nora? So <laughs> that's Nora, um, right? Who's trying to take out the three guards? And I'm standing right next to the three guards. She's not shooting at me because she knows I'm on her side. They're not shooting at me because they think I'm on their side. And I'm just standing there watching this fight. <laughs> I'm like I'll just wait for her to kill them and then I'll I'll carry on because it's going to be useful for us for both of us for me to be. Uh, not have my cover blown um but it takes a really long time <laughs> to kill these people like i think ai in these games tend to be very survivable but not very effective because they don't want the ai to kill everything for you at least not since black ops one mm. where everyone locked that game for <laughs> the yeah. ai killing everything for you um and so uh, like i just waited and waited and waited. it's like she eventually killed one of the three but that took so long that i'm like i'm not sure you're ever gonna get through this uh they're not killing her but uh eventually they were like the game really really wants me to kill just these two enemies so i intentionally did it in such a way that, like i'm right behind them and i'm literally gonna shoot this guy in the head and then melee the other guy like there's no chance they can see me before they know what's happening they're both dead um and i did that but then you are just automatically detected by everyone from then on. Like, every single person knows who you are. Apparently, according to Marsh, um, there are other stealth missions like this later where that isn't true. Because I said that, and he was like, are you sure? Because I've definitely had situations where, like, I've, you know, dealt with those enemies, and if you deal with them well enough, then no one, uh, it doesn't break cover. Um, and that's true for, like, a certain section of this mission, but there's a scripted point of, after which you're just, uh, it's mandated that you are um, seen as hostile. And so I think there are other missions where it's actually systemic and you get to mm. do that. I played one more stealth mission since then, which is in theory really good, but they didn't 
Even though they get let me choose my weapon, they didn't tell me enough about what the mission was. It was to rescue hostages, so I kind of guessed at stealth. I'm like, it doesn't say stealth, and there are other missions that look like this and aren't stealth. Um, but this one says, says hostages, so I'm thinking stealth, so I'm going to put suppressors on all my weapons, and which is a thing you can do, which is great. Um, but it didn't... I basically took like a one silenced uh, assault rifle, and then I took a shotgun um, that I was really excited about because there were energy weapons and one of the mods you can get for an energy weapon is one that recharges it. Um, it only recharges the current mag, but with a shotgun, it's like also like an automatic shotgun. So it has like eight rounds in the clip, and when you, you can fire those as fast as you can click, virtually. Um, and so with an assault rifle and that, it works really well. There's like a little VR testing room where you can test your loadout to see how well it works together. So I was using my accurate, silenced assault rifle to shoot people most of the time. Then when I ran out of ammo for that, I immediately switched to the shotgun, and just unload all eight rounds and then switch back to the assault rifle and like take cover and reload or whatever. And this energy shotgun, even while you're not, don't even have it equipped, it just sort of recharges in the background. So you never actually have to reload it. You can reload it if you want to, um, uh, you know, manually put more rounds in it. But if it's just in the background, then it will <laughs> automatically fill itself back up. So the next time you switch to it, it's going to be full again. So it's a really nice like trick. And then I got to the mission and discovered that like, oh, this entire mission is a stealth mission. Like, Anytime you're detected, they're going to kill hostages. And so everything you ever do has to be stealthy. And then the last bit of it is this huge hangar with like 25 guards all at long range. And right at the start of the mission, there's a sniper rifle that you can... Uh, it's very strange. You are in space. You've jumped out of your fighter and you're going to this big capital ship, which is cool. And you get to use this grappling thing to like latch onto bits of debris. And that, that feels really nice. And just... On one of these bits of debris is lying a silent sniper rifle. Oh, sorry, just a sniper rifle. Um, it sounds like it's silenced, but it's not. Um, and just that's it. That's the thing. They they happen to Wait, be lying around in the sound debris. Sound like it's silent, but not be. Interesting question, and this will become relevant to <laughs> what happens. So I I didn't. I was resisting that because I picked this loadout really carefully. This is right at the start of the mission. I've just picked these two guns that I really want to use. And I'm like, I don't want to leave one of these behind and take a sniper rifle. I, want, I picked this for a reason. So I, I persevered. And then eventually I found like, God, this is such a sniper section. Like there are just loads and loads of enemies. You expect this to be a quick section, but it's really long. Everyone is at super long range and there's a sniper rifle right there. So eventually I picked up the sniper rifle and I shot a bunch of badoos and I'm like, but no, I'm putting it back down. I'm taking my, <laughs> my cool shotgun that recharges in the background because I want that. And then when I broke into the, the level, it just became clear, like, this is not the mission for an unsilenced shotgun. No matter how well it recharges, everything you have has to be silenced, and you desperately need long-range weapons. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to... For a reload checkpoint, it doesn't make me far enough back, so I'm going to have to restart the whole mission just to pick up that sniper rifle. You can't... I don't think there's any way to go back to the armory and pick your loadout again. So you, the best I could do is restart the mission and then pick up the sniper rifle. Sniper rifle makes the kind of, like, two noise when you fire it. Yeah. It sounds silenced, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> it seemed silenced all the time I used it. No one, uh, I was usually in direct combat, so I couldn't really tell. And then once it came to like the big hangar level, and I, I brought the sniper rifle this time and redone the whole level just to bring this one le- weapon to it. Um, every time I shot someone, no matter how far away it was, no matter how far I'd, everyone else was from me, as soon as I shot them, everyone was alerted. And even though it sounded like it was silenced, then I realized, oh, actually, when I picked it up, it didn't say the word suppressed in the title and therefore it doesn't have a suppressor, and therefore it's technically not silenced, and therefore everyone detects you automatically every time you do it. Whereas if you have the silenced assault rifle, which I did have, 
Um, you can shoot someone like three or four times and they'll scream in pain and stuff and that's completely silent. <laughs> no one hears it. You just get away with it. Even if they find the body, that still doesn't... Like, they will acknowledge finding a body, but they won't kill the hostages or do anything about it. And it has this bizarre notion of stealth where, like, if they hear that gunshot... I guess gun Anthony shot, died. <laughs> oh, well. They, they know you're there as well. Like, you have a fucking out-and-out fight outside their ship and they see you board their ship and they're like, oh my god, someone's breached our ship. They're inside our ship now. And then someone taunts you over the tannoy saying it's like i mean of all the things that villains say to heroes which mm. are dumb at the best of times and they will say shit like don't be a hero or why are you being such an awesome hero <laughs> hero <laughs> um which is not that discouraging uh this guy says um uh in a really mocking tone go on save them you're the only one who can <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, Go that's what on, I thought. Kill all of us. <laughs> like you killed Anthony. We don't mind. <laughs> but it's like, you know I'm here, you have the hostages at gunpoint, and you're mocking me for trying to save them, but if you detect me actually being there, then you'll kill them. But if you don't detect me, you're happy about this, and you'll just mock me? For like, I don't know what the, the content of that insult is. Are you saying I won't do it, or are you saying I will? Why you, They keep stressing it multiple times. You know, if you don't save them, you're the only one who can. Like, they won't be saved. Hmm. Okay, yeah, that's why I'm on this mission. <laughs> I came here because I thought that was the case. <laughs> Maybe this is their ploy to get you. You stand there, like, completely confused in front of the tannoy, like, well, hang on. Like, we got him, guys, he's there. <laughs> like... It's very strange. It doesn't sound like a Call of Duty game at all. No, it's it's so different. Like when I think back to, um, you know, modern warfare and and uh, Black Ops and stuff. Those, yeah, it feels so much more uh, free and open. Like it gives you so much more choice and so much more um, credit. Basically, like it lets you choose things. Oh. That sounds quite promising. Yeah, it's good. I, it's not as good as Titanfall 2's single player campaign um, both in terms of like I think just the shooting is better in Titanfall 2 it just mm. feels a lot nicer um, and also the actual sort of variety of what you do in Titanfall 2 is so good like every bit of it is really intentionally designed whereas these I love breaking into spaceships I, I feel like there's going to be just at least one mission in this game that's just like the perfect spaceship infiltration because it's so close like it's they're not trying to they're not super scripted after that first one like I've done multiple ones since then and they're very similar which means that they are kind of like more systemic <laughs> that sounds strange but mm. like there's an armory and that's what an armory looks like and that's how it works and it always means you have to hack this door in this way and you always get some cool loot inside it and it always means there's going to be a defense section um, and I kind of like that if I know the parameters of what I'm dealing with then I like that um, and I just want like one perfect stealth mission of that. Um, but outside of that, like the general missions are a lot less interesting than Titanfall 2's. Um, and yeah, it has the problem that I think Battlefield 2142 had this where it's near future. And so the guns are sort of a mix of traditional and sci-fi and the sci-fi ones always feel a bit less. Mm satisfying yeah, a bit less interesting they're like they're called energy weapons they don't fire laser or anything they're still just bullets of some kind but they make a sort of a bit more of a sci-fi noise <laughs> and uh, they never quite figured out how to make that as satisfying as just shooting a bullet at someone hmm. Titanfall's good at that I love the charge rifle which is the anti-titan mm. weapon in multiplayer you sort of charge it up and then it goes oh, yeah. 
Uh, and good lasers. Really good lasers. lasers. Yeah. I really like the double take in Titanfall as well. Oh, yeah. The sniper rifle that fires two shots. I'm terrible with it, but it's amazing. Yeah, it's yeah I like it. Really like it. The uh, weaponry in um, in Destiny is amazing. You'd think <laughs> that they would have like hooked up yeah. like via the Activision kind of <laughs> umbrella. Like They would have gone, mate, this isn't quite working. You want to talk to the guys at Bungie, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is how a fusion rifle should feel. Mm. They're not bad, and they do have... like They're quite exotic, so they... There's like a sonic shotgun, uh, which I just don't see the point of. <laughs> it deafens, it, like Lewis says, it deafens the enemy. I'm like, I'm, the enemy's hearing is not my problem. Maybe like, the at least kill them bat. with a gun. <laughs> maybe this is how you defeat Batman. Yeah, maybe. Like, I haven't fought Batman yet. So. He can't use sonar after that. <laughs> but that, yeah, that's the thing is like, my regular enemies are not using sonar anyway. So. No. I see that deafening them is, is better than not deafening them, but it doesn't really compare to shooting them. <laughs> like, that's what the you? other shotguns do. The other two shotguns I have, they just shoot bullets into their body until they die, what which if, is way what more... If deafening them meant all guns when I'm functionally suppressed? That's what I was going to say. <laughs> like, is if that you've how already you shot stealth? them, they know you're there. <laughs> but you could just shoot into the air and it would deafen them without them seeing a bullet. And therefore, I guess we're deaf for no reason. They they're cry. just like, or they'll just be like, "Oh, it's quite quiet now, isn't it? So, That's like, nice." Like you can't hear the shot that kills you. You don't hear the shot that deafens you either. Yeah, basically. <laughs> well, obviously. And, like, well. and so stealth, stealth, a go go, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't think that will work in practice. I'm willing oh. to try it, but I liked when you were talking about the. Um, this was a long time ago now, but when you were talking about the, you know, the the site that lets you know if someone's a friend or an enemy, I was kind of hoping that maybe there would be that in this, but but there would be friends and there would be enemies and there would be the friends that you don't really like, but you're kind of like okay <laughs> with them surviving, but maybe you could just make this look like an accident and then that would be that would be also a solution. Go on. This is Go Dave. On. No one will miss him. <laughs> Go on, says Judgy Scope. <laughs> no one likes that coat <laughs> they have many defences against you shooting your teammates including like situations where you can't do it situations where you can do it but they're basically infinitely tough and then even given that there's a threshold where you've done it enough that they just think you're taking the piss and they end the game <laughs> so you're far will not be tolerated I swear to god I hit that by accident multiple times oh, like, it's I'm not trying I just when I look at a group, like, what what the yeah. fuck is Ramirez doing behind three enemies? There are three enemies between me and him. Why is he there? I don't <laughs> He's know. negotiating, Tom, you mad bastard. <laughs> it was always telling me that, though. Like, and it had a lot more of a hair trigger, like, less tolerance of friendly fire a while back. And this, I can yeah, definitely, yeah. like, zoom in with a sniper rifle and shoot my friend in the face. And that is not game over. But more than that, they start to get busy. <laughs> <laughs> One's a freebie. Shall we do questions from questions? Sure. You seem so Let's ready there, Chris. Do you, them. I was, oh, sorry, yeah, no, I, I was really expecting a more like a raucous round of agreement. But, <laughs> but, but I've been told off for this in the past. It derailed you. <laughs> it did derail me. <laughs> In many ways, I'm too little or too much encouragement can disrail. <laughs> What's into. just the right amount? You're a cautious bird, aren't you? Really, I like a sort of slightly delayed sure. Okay, <laughs> yes, that, that works for me. Let's Fine. okay, great. Kane writes, Did any of you folks play the For Honor Alpha? If so, what did you think of it? Also, if it was Pip that played it. Spoiler, it wasn't. <laughs> uh, did she get shoved into a pit by someone named Kane T? If so, I'm sorry about that, but in my defense, it was very funny. If not, then you want to know what it looked like. It looked something like this, with a link to a YouTube video. 
of him pushing people into a hole. That wasn't in... me. I kind of wish it had been now. I'm not sure why been... he thought it was you. Was the username Pip? I checked and no. Oh. Oh. What was the username? I couldn't figure this bit out. Kane, let us know on Discord. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm wrong and the username was Pip or something, but I didn't see. Anyway, uh, so for Honor is Ubisoft's um, multiplayer sword fighty online combat game, which is uh, super unusual. It feels really different to any... No, I mean, no one is making something like that, really. Like, it is mm. entirely its own thing. Um, it's closest to a game like Blade Symphony, but that is a sort of an indie thing and itself based on, like, Jedi Knight sword fighting, and For Honor's a lot weightier than that. A lot more sort of Game of Thronesy in how it depicts people with big medieval weapons smacking each other. Um, and it's also, like, you know, it's it's got some learned some lessons from the way that maps and stuff on in uh, sort of small team competitive shooters are structured with capture points and stuff. But mm-hmm. it's fundamentally a game about sword fighting. Um, and honestly, it's you know, it's it's a it's a strange thing. It's 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 the thing I would probably draw the most clear line to is Rainbow Six Siege. Not just because they're both Ubisoft games, but because they're so such specific propositions. And that's not necessarily a game that's mm. sorry, not necessarily a studio or a publisher. That is known for, or was previously known for making, like really honed, you know, single high concept games. They tended to make, or they tend to make, sprawling open worlds with the entire everything in the kitchen sink in them. Mm. And or so, Rayman. Hmm? or Rayman, or Rayman, yeah, or Rayman. Um, and so, uh, what it is, uh, I imagine, I think there's a single player, but fundamentally. Uh, you pick a sort of sword fighting class from a better variety of archetypes split between basically knights, vikings, and samurai. And then you play these sort of team battles with, with fighting of catch points or one-on-one duels and stuff, and you run around. And the combat system is quite a bit like Dark Souls in some ways, but I say that mega cautiously, and you've played it, Tom, so you'll tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> in the <laughs> crowbar voice there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, in that there is locking on is the main thing I suppose I mean yeah yeah there's circling and stuff yeah. yeah circling and locking on but unlike um, Dark Souls you also have sort of radial control over the angle you are holding your sword at and also the angle you block from hmm. and this is really clearly visually expressed in your character's stance and then you have like heavy attacks and light attacks and grabs and guard blocks and stuff and so there's a sort of 3D fighting game in there which is all about sort of anticipating your opponent's move. And you can sort of hammer the buttons and, and try and just get blows through. But being patient and looking at the actual angle of attack and countering stuff will always work better, basically, than that will. Um, Pip, you look more bored than I've ever seen you <laughs> in my entire life. No, no, I was just like, I was trying to picture it in my head because is this the one where the E3 video started off as, like, maybe some sort of Celtic or Pictish sort of looking people kind of crouching and then it moved through some eras of fighting. Uh, Maybe. I think. Like, I I seem to remember somebody, like, or three people, like, sort of maybe having a a three-way Mexican standoff with swords... In, in like a greenish landscape that then got more and more complicated as like time whizzed past. Yes, that's for honor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so 
the so there's those things that work pretty well about the combat system. It, it is individually fun to fight somebody and try and come out on top. And then they've done a few neat things to try and solve some of the really obvious problems with a game like that. One of which is fighting two people is really hard. And it is a system that encourages people to kind of cluster up around checkpoints. And sometimes you're the only person defending a capture point. And if you get outnumbered, you're probably fucked because that's how sort of fighting works. It's not like guns where you can take cover and hmm. return fire and stuff. You're all in a big duel. And so they've come up with some kind of clever ways of, of mitigating that. So basically there's there's like a revenge meter that fills up when you block. And then when it fills up, you can activate it to basically not become invulnerable, but to get like a huge boost to your armor and damage output and your damage resistance for a short period of time. And it actually works pretty well because what it means is that when you're being attacked by more than one person, you have the opportunity to block a lot more attacks because you're being attacked more, which means you get revenge far faster, um, which basically turns it into the sort of like the table turn mechanic. If someone's outnumbered, they'll probably charge up this meter and therefore be able to like counter people. And only once in the hours I sunk into the alpha did I actually win a 1v2 as the person by themselves. It literally only happened once, but the one time it did happen was fucking amazing. Because <laughs> I felt like I felt like the best swords lady in all of the <laughs> land. Now that's a good thing about it. All of the Clarets classes have male and female variants, so you just pick whether you want to be a cool Brienne of Tarth style plate clad warrior woman or a lady Viking or whatever. But um, yeah, I like it. It's good. I don't know if anyone will buy it. I really don't know because it's <laughs> such a tricky proposition, and I sort of don't know why they've made it. Because I mean, I'm glad they did, but it's so unusual because. I think like, it sounds like the sort of thing where, from what you've said, I can't imagine a control system that in any way feels like I could manage it. It's a lot like Dark Souls. Like, it's a lot of the same okay. sort of, like, it's a controller game. Like, you, you obviously would use a pad. Okay. Um, and you, you move with the left stick and you control the direction of your sword with the right stick. Okay. Okay, it's like, there was, I can't remember, there was something in, in the way you described it that made me think, that's at least, like, three variables, I can't do this. <laughs> no, no, I mean, it, with the exception of, yeah, so, like, if you can play any game, like, where you lock onto an opponent in a circle, I mean, Zelda mm. works that way. Would they do it, do you think they would? They could make it for VR as well? Because, like, that, you it's know... It's third person, so probably not. Oh, okay. Yeah, it feels like a swinging sword c- controls... Input-wise, VR has it solved. Like you can yeah. literally, I can wave a controller around, and you can accurately map where my sword will go, which is the problem that we've been trying to solve with mice and game pads for a long time. Um, but then, what should happen in response <laughs> suddenly becomes the tricky part. Talked yeah. before about um, uh, what the hell is that name of that that VR vanishing RPG? realms? Yes, <laughs> um, and. Actually, sword combat, like, it's a fantasy game where it does a bit of magic, a bit of archery, a bit of sword combat, and sword combat is the worst thing about it. it it's it's alright, but it's like, it just can't give you any feedback from what you do. And so if the enemy tries to block your blow, your blow still goes through them. Why doesn't it hit them when it goes through mm, their shield? Is okay. the sword still there, or has it bounced off? And if it's bounced off, why isn't it where my hand is? And why isn't my hand bounced off? And yeah, all that stuff. that's a reasonable point. So, like, the input is, is good enough, but the feedback is a harder problem to solve. With regards to For Honor, I think that uh, aesthetically it's probably, like, extremely marketable because stuff like Kingdom Come Deliverance, which is, like, a, an upcoming medieval sword game, 
even stuff like The Witcher 3, I think there is a real appetite for just people in armour with swords <laughs> sort of duelling. And it looks great. Like, it looks really nice. And all the, there's a huge weight and kind of all the, even the cloth, the kind of barding on uh, around the legs and stuff, just like uh, sags with like wet rain and blood and stuff. <laughs> like, it really feels quite. It is those duel scenes in Game of Thrones, the game. Like, yeah, yeah like, absolutely. And I suppose that has become super mainstream. And, and that, uh, I think that there aren't many games actually to giving you that as a, as a, yeah. a cool thing to experience in the game. The problem I had with it when I was playing it previously was that I was kind of, um, playing the UI rather than the stances. Mm. So I expect there probably will be like, some sort of mode where you can switch the UI off. So you don't, you're not just looking at brackets all the time as to where they're blocking. So you can actually read the stances. You actually do have to look at their animation, not their mm. thing. So maybe in the after they even removed. It's you possible. Can, I played you can it see the arrows. You can see the arrows for your own stance, but not theirs, if um, I remember really. right. Yeah. Cause I, I, I did play this like, um, probably about like a year ago at a preview event and, like you'd be looking at their bracket and then you'd have your bracket and then. Yeah, I don't remember that. So, so. maybe it's changed quite a lot, but, um, that's my pro- problem with it previously. It, uh, as a single player game, it has like a load of problems because it attempts to mix these one on one duels with, um, uh, which are kind of heroes that will engage you, uh, with like, uh, hack and slash, almost dynasty warrior style like room clearance with mooks so you have like these lower level enemies where you'll you could just slash through them and it's like a power fantasy and you're really powerful and strong then a hero will engage you and then suddenly you're in this kind of simon says stance game um and then people are still attacking you in it and you, you'll be trying to hack down the mooks while uh, a hero is coming up to you and then you get kind of glued to them by the game systems because then it thinks you're in one-on-one combat and it, the, the fusion between those two just doesn't work at all. It just feels really awful. That, that exact thing is in multiplayer oh, and really? it works a little bit differently. So I don't know how much has changed, but mm. um, one of, so on the maps, most of the maps have like two capture points, which are just areas that you stand in. <coughs> and then a third capture point, which is in the middle of the map, which is like the battle line between two lines of basically infinite waves of AI that meet in the middle of the map. Yeah. And you capture that one for your team by pushing the enemy line back out of it. So it's kind of, and eventually it will sort of reset to the middle. Yeah. Um, but killing those en- enemies, the NPC enemies, I think it can even give you some health, but it's deliberately designed to not be a challenge. So every time you basically press attack near them, you don't even need to be locked on. You'll kind of like automatically kill one of them. And then if you keep pressing it, you will just chain between them and yeah. the animation's quite nicely synced up. So your character kind of naturally steps between people mm-hmm. and you're just sort of slaughtering them. And the moment when like another player charges in from their side to fight their way through to you is actually quite effective. Like right. it has that effect of creating this moment where like two champions meet mm-hmm. in the middle of the battle line. Everyone backs away. And, and everyone's sort of irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and then it's just, you know, battling. But no, I quite like it. Like I definitely want to play more of it when it's more polished. I think it's come along quite a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Ubisoft have proven that they can support that kind of game quite well. But I'll be really interested to see if it takes off because I, mean, I think you're right that the the fantasy is a relatively popular one now. But yeah. I do think that its granularity and its um, sort of pretty high skill ceiling and, and it can be quite unforgiving at first might put people off. I mean, that said, people really like Dark Souls PvP. And I think it's a bit mad that no one actually made a dark, dedicated Dark Souls PvP game. Like, don't don't worry about completing this adventure just get in and fight people using yeah. these systems probably sell and it's kind of that as well yeah that's interesting um it's, i think maybe people have been put off by the fact that i think that dark souls one had like a dedicated pvp arena that no one ever ever used mm. and that a lot of dark souls pvp is effective because it takes place within the world where npcs can um 
become involved or be used as part of the trickery of it. So, like, in Dark Souls, uh, invasion mechanics are, I think a lot of the weird trickery and depth comes from the fact that people are beaming into a living environment where there are lots of enemies, but also you, and also you can disguise yourselves as enemies, or you can throw kind of bombs that attract enemies. And it's, it's, it's a whole kind of ecosystem that you, you, that an invader gets involved with when they, dive into a Dark Souls game, whereas I think a pure Dark Souls PvP mode might be a little bit thin, maybe? Though I don't know, maybe people really mode. got into those systems, right? That's like, true, yeah. Just like into the, just the, not, everything else put aside, just the mm. mechanics of, of blocking and countering and, and those the plays. The best weapons and, to use. There was a meta, a real meta to like Dark Souls uh, yeah. games, definitely. You know. I'm, I'm just saying, saying that, like, there's yeah. clearly an appetite for a different kind of multiplayer that isn't yeah. about shooting. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, multiplayer Looks great. Um, I do love sword fighting games. Yeah, I'm interested to see how it how it turns out. I admit that I didn't. Uh, one thing about it is it does have like classes, special abilities, and stuff. And hmm. for me, I didn't really want that from it, so I found myself not really using anything other than standard two handed sword woman. Hmm. And even then, not really using the fact that she has like a flashbang. <laughs> um. Um. So, what is the flashbang? How does it work? It's like a kind of like a firework. Oh, okay. It's like a grenade thing, she, like the fuse that you, goes off and blinds people temporarily. Yeah. In the manner of a flashbang, then you can like sweep, you know, sweep and clear the room. <laughs> Check your sector. Great sword. Yeah. <laughs> With your great sword. <laughs> Silence great sword. Stay frosty. Yeah. That's the sort of thing they say, isn't it? I, I gather the young people say that yeah. in military <laughs> situations these days. In that army. I can't think of anything else young people say that's really bad. It's <laughs> just stay frosty. Yeah. It's the only thing that's all they say. Always <laughs> stay frosty with kids. Like, Get sick of it. The thing like 420. <laughs> oh, stay frosty in 420. The only two things young people oh, no. say. Is that wrong? <laughs> I don't think it's wrong so much as, as I'm it's 90% number, sure that's from it? like the 70s. It's as well. <laughs> Four two four two two. No, 420 is good. 420 is good. You're, just, you're thinking about three two two, which is the Dota throw. <laughs> That's the money. Number. Yes, yeah. it is. Three sixty no scope. Yes, That's the kids do. Young people thing, right? Four twenty three sixty and stay frosty. <laughs> well, you think of more That's young what you people. Put in your family stuff. crest in Latin. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, I might try and translate that later. <laughs> I don't know. Like, can you think of any other young people things? I certainly can't. <laughs> um, no, let's not try. No, exactly. <laughs> I'm disillusioned with the political system. That's a young person mm. thing. I think we all are, though, aren't we? Yeah. Mm. I made myself sad. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Deacon writes and he says and I would also say uh, disclaimer this is not a question but he, he goes on to say no need to read this out and it's too late Deacon yeah, it's too good too late I'm a photographer he writes and often when I work at resorts other workers often actually say things like hey photographer gonna take some pictures <laughs> and the like <laughs> I always go into fantasies of who I'm supposed to shoot. You end up grinning like a madman, slightly self-consciously. I often shoot them, but I haven't killed anyone to date. <laughs> so there's two things going on here. One is the, the shoot versus actually taking photos of someone mm. sort of 
play on words, which also ties into my suggestion last week that that assassins i wasn't directly training assassins i like to think but if they <laughs> were out there listening i was <laughs> suggesting that you could put a, a, some kind of like weapon inside a camera um but that's uh, yeah. i think his primary uh, commentary is actually on our, our criticism an ongoing running joke of hitman hmm. uh in which whatever you're disguised as npcs will come up to you and say oh you're a waiter hey waiter gonna wait some tables like a waiter oh hi and desperately try and get you to acknowledge that they know what you're disguised as. Waiter's going to wait. Yeah, exactly. So the fact that a real photographer actually encountered was saying, hey, photographer, going to shoot some people. (laughs) It's hilarious. (laughs) Uh, Another reader who, maybe I have it here actually, because it's a good email, um, wrote in to point out that in his, uh, well, in the White House's... um, Halloween. Actually, tell you what, I'll put them in the show notes because I, I can't. I'm not going to be able to open Gmail with one hand while talking. Um, in the White House is a Halloween video which has Barack Obama oh, greeting a lot of uh, kids as they come to the the White House in costume. He sounds exactly like a uh, Hitman NPC, um, and for and for understandable reasons because he's like, "Hey, it's Superman! You look just like <laughs> Superman! Wow, well, plain, got a super cement." <laughs> yeah. Etc. Um, but actually, that maybe like frames the Hitman NPC issue in a slightly different light. That they're not idiots; they're just incredibly supportive and looking to make you feel less self-conscious about what you're doing. But if they know you're dressed up, like that's the whole ball game. Like if they know that like, the reason they're being nice to you is because they know you've put an effort into pretending to be a guard, they should be like, "Oh my god, it's a fucking criminal pretending to be a guard." Well, I mean, maybe Hitman becomes much both sweeter and more sinister <laughs> if you believe that everyone else thinks it's a fun dressing game <laughs> until that one moment in every level where you fucking kill somebody. <laughs> You've taken like, it too far. Exactly. Like, wow, what a great waiter costume. We're all having fun at the big <laughs> Sapienza costume convention. I'm dressed as an armed guard. <laughs> Jesus Christ, what have you done? <laughs> Michael Stipe, no. <laughs> the Stipe stripe was one thing, but this is too far. Oh. Um... I feel sad now. <laughs> Indeed. So, uh, so yeah, no, that's a you know, I guess a game we will never stop getting mileage out of. <laughs> it's yeah, it's over now. Hitman, it's all out. It's a season two though coming. It's all out there. Mm. Yeah, okay. It's not over. <laughs> it's no, season one. Hitman twenty sixteen two coming twenty seventeen. <laughs> I would quite like a break though, because like it mm. felt like every five minutes I was getting a press release about yeah. the. The elusive targets or a notification intense. on my feeds or whatever. So it'd be quite mm. nice to the notification on your feeds. My, Is that what feeds. the young people say? They they use the feeds. <laughs> the young folks use the feeds. Feedly, that's their their, their <laughs> platform of choice. Flipboard, maybe <laughs> a little bit of Live the old Google News. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> God, I am. Um, I put this on dick. Oh, I was gonna make a dick joke. <laughs> But no, Ooh. Dig is now a newsletter because really? yeah, yeah. Does it still exist as a like a Reddit like service? It, as far as I can tell, it isn't anymore. What it is is like it 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 does have that kind of these are links that are really popular now, and it sort of presents them in a kind of almost magazine style format or a website front page kind of format and just links all over the place. And it also has like a few bits of its own, I think, particularly like video content and things. Um, 
And so what I have it for is the daily newsletter that just tells you a bunch of stuff that's really popular online for whatever reason. Mm. Um, so it's not quite the same as... I don't think there's a, a submitting things to dig thing in the same way that was so hugely right. fruitful for social media managers for well, about six was, months or whatever it was. It was but. quite good for a while after it sort of lost to Reddit. Like there was a time when mm. Reddit had kind of won that battle, but Dig sort of became its own thing and it was more curated and it was, yeah, like a, more like a front page of a, of a site, but still driven by people's actual interest in those things. Yeah. And for a while I would like check it sort of as a break from other stuff. It was like... Um, Kind of interesting to see what they focused on. So, you might be interested to know that I'm partially responsible for killing all of that stuff. Dig. Because one of my first jobs after uni was to, uh, and this is in a much earlier, nastier and more naive era of SEO, was to basically, like, to try and, like, sort of basically spam Dig, Reddit, a bunch of other sort of link submission sites with... Mm. SEO, you know, loaded links to client websites, usually with like sort of location-based sort of titles, like fucking window blinds, Swindon, and stuff like that. <laughs> and I would do it for days on end, <laughs> posting hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of links, one after another, forever. I hated that job. But I quite like what Dig is now. So cheers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks. So yeah, no, I killed the uh, helped to kill the idea that open submission article curation is something that could ever work <laughs> but well, on the way there what we discovered was curation <laughs> friends we made along the way <laughs> exactly <laughs> does anyone know why um so there's a site that is currently popular called curiouscat.me or something and it's the thing is that where popular you, with kids or yeah it's probably with, with the young folks of which <laughs> i am obviously one um, <laughs> And, but it's, it's a site where you set up a profile and then people can ask you questions anonymously and then you reply to them. But and is it's that just not like Ask FM. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's just like the thing that was before Ask FM. And yeah. I can't remember what it was called, but there was a <laughs> thing before years. Ask FM. Yeah. And what I'm interested in is why this particular service has come up at least three times, I think probably more like four or five times mm. and got really, really popular and people loved it and used it. And then it just gets replaced by someone doing the exact same thing. And I don't know why that happens. Maybe what just, was wrong uh, with the old one? What is wrong with Ask FM? Maybe, maybe Google in. buys it and then they don't actually use it. And someone mm. else just makes the same thing. And then mm. Apple buys it and they don't use it. Yeah, and maybe. then someone makes the same thing and then Google buys it, etc. Or maybe it plugs into particular things a bit better. Like, so if if a particular audience ends up on, I don't know, like Tumblr more than Twitter, then... If that service doesn't show up better on there, yeah. then maybe someone remakes like the way it. But... Instagram does not embed on Twitter. Yeah, basically, maybe stuff like that, or I don't know. But to be fair, I really don't think you should be asking me these things because I still call Last FM Audio Scrobbler, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm allowed to <laughs> to so, voice young people opinions. Those sites never quite realised their potential for me because they they become interesting when someone interesting does that open question set session so it's basically an ama right yeah but they don't actually offer those up in a searchable way or promote the good ones in a way it's just individuals amusing their friends without any sort of greater sharing yeah they they appeal like there are clearly a lot of people who want to be interviewed and who have enough people who follow them that they will get questions Mm. and so they're kind of like a happy um 
uh, match. Like, yeah, there are enough people who want to ask them questions, they want to ask the questions, and that's cool. Uh, but then they also set these things up to auto-tweet those questions. Oh, God, yeah. And so you get, like, 17 things in a row where it's like, I wouldn't mind if it was the whole question, but it's always, like, 30% of the question. It's like, the, the first sort of seven words of the question and then the first seven words of the answer. So it's just nonsense. You just don't know what the fuck they are asking, you know what the fuck they're answering. Uh, and it also, you didn't ask that question and you're not curious about the answer. <laughs> so it just becomes, like, garbage. And at the same time, you sort of sympathize with the person who answers it because it's like... They, you know, being interviewed is fun. It's nice. And if someone's curious about something, then you, you should answer them. And there's no reason not to do it publicly. But just when you, it's automatically retweeted, it becomes mm. this weird type of noise where it's like, I don't know what this person's asking. I'm not curious about the thing they're asking. I don't know what you said in response. I can't really be bothered to click through. <laughs> and so it's just like it's now the a whole bunch of garbage. That's, uh, it's only the, it's only the people, person being questioned that matters in that relationship. If it's going to be shareable beyond the... Question, question, like, yeah, I've never really clicked on one of those where I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. I really want to know the answer to that question. And I really exactly, want, even when it's like a close personal friend, like, mm. if I wanted to know that, I would ask them. It's not just, it's just, it just Whedon did one. I'd be like, okay, I'll just, I just want to know what he thinks about stuff. Yeah, just uh, an open question. You'll just like, go that's straight to the right. page and then scroll through the actual questions and answers, though, yeah. rather than, I suppose it helps you find out that they even have one of those pages, but like, what's a sort of peculiarly modern tragedy is watching somebody with not that many followers or not that many people who are interested in knowing anything about them sort of say oh i've got an hour to kill uh let's try this then here's a link to my ask fm and then just watch the tumbleweed kind of (laughs) flow and it's like it's that weird thing of like i get the appeal of it but also like it just doesn't do anything for me, but it's this this weird sort of modern thing of modern. Oh my god, um, <laughs> of, of young people thing. Young people uh, of of people sort of feeling vaguely entitled to an AMA, even if they're not very <laughs> interesting. And you're kind of like, mm. that's not new. That's definitely not new. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true, but I guess it's like we've now got the language of AMAs to kind of frame it. Yeah. But there's this feeling of like, go on, ask me anything, and I'm like. I really don't want to. I'm late. I want to get uh, to my bus. Why is my question. Ninety-seven percent of people think that their personal experience is more interesting than it is, and then that that these websites feed that kind of mm. egotistical perspective. I am aware that I spent about what ten, fifteen minutes explaining all of the people that I injured and killed on on my non-lethal playthrough of that a game. Was, that was so. very amusing, <laughs> and no one asked for. me it. <laughs> <laughs> Just like volunteer that information. Here's my murder list for today. <laughs> Maybe like, well, that's the thing. Like on Twitter, all of these people wanting an AMA when really it's just, I will tell you anything, like, mm. and that's just curious. Kill dot me. <laughs> Ask me why I killed this person. It doesn't. <laughs> I, I totally sign up. For that. It's your next startup, definitely. <laughs> Send to Silicon Valley within within six months. It's your new business. Then I'll I'll find no way to make it profitable. And I'll sell it to someone for a billion dollars who You're also has no way to make profit, sure. and they'll run it into the ground, and everyone will hate me for it, and they'll hate them for it, and it'll be a disaster. And God. that's what startups are like. <laughs> Have Conde worked out how to make Reddit profitable? Um, there's Reddit Gold, and there's some ads of oh, some kind. Yeah. I don't know if that's actually making a profit or not. 
But I mean, it's got to be doing better than Dig. Because <laughs> there was a time when there was things like Dig was the prominent one and Reddit was the upstart. And... We've gone way off base. We yeah. have. That was the question. Um, about a photographer being shouted at. Oh my God, that wasn't even a question. He literally said this isn't a question. This is the most dangerous thing. If you send us not a question, yeah. we will interpret Anything it. Like in Ask FM. We start mocking people who ask Think about Trump. <laughs> Oh uh, what was God. it you said earlier? The gradual entropy? <laughs> yeah. That's the podcast. <laughs> That's this podcast. It's everything now, Tom. Yeah. Uh, so finally, the Cosmic Turtle writes, Dear Quake and Quop Bar. It's quite a good one. And a, rel- a new one as well. Yeah. It's a long time since we've had a truly, truly new pun. Um, last week's question from Kane brought to mind my 62-year-old father. He's still... Regularly plays Unreal Tournament 2003 on Godlike after nearly 14 years and also talks of how he uses it to keep his reflexes sharp. I've encouraged him to try newer multiplayer shooters online as I'm certain he would own, not his word, but he <laughs> loves the purity of the old school arena shooters and the ability to play offline against bots. I also think it may have something to do with the fact that he may have simply mentioned memorized the AI and doesn't want to start over. <laughs> Having said that, can you recommend any modern arena shooters that might appeal to him? Possibly the new UT. Also, which game would you each play into your twilight years to keep your mind and reflexes active? Mm-hmm. Best, the Cosmic Turtle. I, um... All the UT games spring to mind, so UT 2004 has an instant jib mode. And that's, yeah, if he's ready to move ahead from 2003 to 2004. Yeah, that, that's it's time. Uh, but also, I want about like Devil Daggers. Uh, yeah. um, mm. I haven't played that huge amount myself, but I understand that's a sort of super hardcore stripped down thing. If he's a purist, then that feels like a good it's, fit. It's really horrible, though. Like, it's really <laughs> awful. Hey, Dad, want to go to hell? <laughs> it's, like, it's just anxiety. It's the best and, game, but it's, it's incredible. It but, is, just, uh, yeah. It's, it's beautifully designed and perfect. And it, It's also not really a competition. Mm. It's like it is a, a race against death. What is that um, game Strafe? Is that out? Very retro yeah. shooter, very Dunno. good. <laughs> Looks sort of Doom styled, but maybe like somewhere between Doom and Serious Sam, where it's yeah. sort of Doom technology, but uh, mm. about murdering a great number of enemies. <laughs> I think it sounds like he's sort of into the the arena deathmatch side of things, yeah. right? Not just like yeah. going through a level sort of Doom. That's, that's, that's quite a neglected genre, actually. Like sort of single player versus bots. Um, the thing I really like, but I, there are very few games that really bother with it. And yeah. I, I really like Overwatch does. It's like the, the bots aren't great, but you can play against bots. And that's nice. Yeah, maybe Overwatch is an is an, op, an option here because it is new and and relatively modern and does have bot support. Bot support, I think, is the key thing. Like mm. plenty of shooters, you can point somebody towards if they just want to, you know, yeah. fight online. But actual games with proper bot support seem. Did TF2 ever get proper bots? Not that this is a great. It had a co-op mode against bots where it was asymmetrical, yeah. and you like you and the other players were fighting against these actual robots. Yeah, it wasn't great. How about CS:GO? I, I, CS:GO is good. Does it have bots? It does have bots? Does Basic it? bots. Probably not as good as UT bots. I would guess. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe if Verona comes out with with AI. That is a decent enough challenge that yeah. could 
Very different, though, given it's not a shooter. But No, but it's still a kind of combat mastery thing. Yeah. If, it's, if it feels like it scratches a similar itch, but if if learning sort of the limits of the AI is also part of it, that might be... I don't know if it'll have bots in multiplayer, though. So that's no, a, that's but I was just if. more thinking, yeah. like, it, it, it might be worth looking slightly off the beaten track mm. um, in terms of the actual interaction, because it might be that the particular appeal of it is is mastery of... A thing that behaves in a in a kind of semi predictable way, but still enough to be a challenge. And so, yeah, yeah. being a shooter might just be that. That might just be the comfort thing. What about like new Doom single player? It's not arena, but it might scratch that itch. Just mm. kind of, yeah, you know. Yeah, new Doom weapons. multiplayer probably not. Although it has yeah. got those elements to it, but it's not. I don't think it has bot support. Mm. Yeah, as I say, plenty of good shooters. Yeah, great. Yeah, specific, holy shit. Yeah, yeah, but that specific thing is is difficult to track yeah. down. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, if we're talking about like you know games with amazing systems and you can play against in a single player mode, play Titanfall. Yeah, it's the best of them at the moment. But is that what you'd do? Like, cause there was the other bit of the question of like, what would you do to keep your shooters brain going? Probably. Well, I don't think it was necessarily shooters. No, I don't what think it was. was it? But that's what I was going. It was uh, what game? Oh, okay. Um, for me, I've probably talked about this a million times, but um, Batman, Arkham City, mm. uh, the challenge rooms with Catwoman, mm. just against a whole bunch of goons. That's the thing where like the parameters are so simple that it just comes down to how good is my reactions. It's like, it just boils everything down to this one decision of like, do you strike or do you counter? And you've got to really carefully judge how many people are attacking you, how close are they to you succeeding attacking you, how far would attacking move you, depending on who you attack and what direction you're going in? And yeah, like attacking is better than countering, but if you're going to be hit, then countering is better than attacking. And all those special moves and stuff you stack on top of that is is good, but as simple as you can make that, the better it gets. That always reminds me of like, uh, that's the Batman equivalent of the last stand mode in Third Dawn of War, where you know the individual kind of hero systems are so good and the fighting system is so good they can be broken out into a separate kind of arena mode that it sustains its mm. own game, which is always a sign of a, just a great game, I think. Like, the systems, the core systems of this are so good. Maybe the story scripting isn't that good, but it turns out you just transpose these heroes into this arena, uh, either in Batman or in the, stand, the last stand mode, and uh, you get a really, really exciting mode. Mm. I wouldn't use that to stave off uh, all, like, slow refactors Death. in old age, though. <laughs> Death, Yeah. <laughs> So I'd love to, like a space marine, be kind of like embalmed in a machine, uh, and you know, my consciousness. Yeah, and like in Last Stand, it would be good if life ended with you facing off against a clone of yourself. Like there <laughs> yeah. are a bunch of builds in Last Stand that don't work because Wave oh, Twelve like or something is a clone of yourself, and yeah. in a lot of cases that's fine. If you've got a really good, powerful weapon, you can just kill a little clone of yourself. But if you've picked the orc build where you've just got like this knife that generates so much health, it's not that powerful, but it generates so much health, you're just invincible. Hmm. Then right up until like wave 16, you're absolutely fine. And then wave 16, there's a clone of you. And you're like, I can't do as much damage as I can heal. And he can heal as much as I can heal. And therefore I can never kill him. 
That we're not so different, you, <laughs> you might that, say. That's what happens at the age of 96. To, to <laughs> <clone> of yourself. <laughs> that's so You're amazing. in the old age pensioner's home and like a clone of yourself pops out of your wheelchair. <laughs> we're not so different, you and I. <laughs> because we're clones. <laughs> that might be so good because that. Because you have to intentionally build weaknesses into your own yeah, exactly. team. Like you have to say, okay, someone's going to have to be a bit underpowered, perhaps, in a very specific way that we can exploit in that round to gang up on that one thing. Yeah. Uh, so good. Um, but with regards to the old age question, uh, I think I'd probably be playing XCOM 2. <laughs> really punishing um, mistakes, you know. Uh, that's a really be quite sharp, I think, to play that effectively. Um, but without the Twitch element, which I think if I was going to play something that uh, honed my reflexes, it would be n- not be something as stressful as a shooter or or anything like uh, else like that. I'd, I'd want something a little bit more milder, maybe even like milder than Batman. Like I wouldn't want to be Spider Man. Spider Man, <laughs> the mild Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I'd go yeah. with um, Thumper, I think, or something like Whoa. that. Jesus <laughs> Christ! <laughs> what? You're gonna be a hardcore seventy-year-old if you're playing Thumper. But like, I'd have had seventy years to get fucking great <laughs> get at this, it. right? But also, like, I think it would be one of those things where it's only stressful in one area. Like, it's it's a thing that you would repeat and you would learn from and you would get to grips with the patterns of and. Mm. You know, all of that kind of stuff. But, like, if I'm being realistic, I'd probably just be sat there still playing Adventure Capitalist, (laughs) which is sad, and I'd probably feel really annoyed about not somehow reaching a mythical end state in some capacity before (laughs) death came, which is just pathetic. The Steam store has been updated lately, and it's got much stronger emphasis on what your friends are playing and things. And through that, I've discovered that you're the only one of my friends who plays Venture Capitalist. <laughs> really? And you've played it quite a lot. <laughs> does it tell you how many hours? Uh, it does, but I can't remember off the top of my it's head. It's like 450 or something? So it, it's generally like the last couple of weeks. It sort of okay. tells you like how long 450 or something? <laughs> the amazing thing is that... Um, uh, <laughs> I... I the fact that John Walker plays Hex Hells a lot is not a great secret, right? That's not yeah. a thing I have to be worried about. No, so, no, he loves that game. If my friends really are, loves that like, game. The, of all the games that are played the most, I have something like 200 friends, and all of their playtimes are like mashed together. Mm. And number one is Civ Six, which a lot of people different people are playing. Mm. Number two is Hex Hells, which only John is playing. <laughs> no one else is playing oh that game. God. He is the only one playing it, and single-handedly he has beaten every <laughs> other game that anyone else is playing. I wonder if he just leaves it on. Like, which one is it? Is it Infinite? <laughs> so there's two different ones, okay. and his combined playtime in both of them would probably outpace even Civ Six. Because <laughs> I'm only one of them is... because I think Infinite is the only one of those three games where... Hang on. Yeah, there's three Hex Cells games, aren't there? Maybe it's only two. I feel like the one he's played most of is not the latest one. I think that only one of them has an infinite mode, though. Like, where hmm. you can just keep randomly generating. Maybe I'm wrong, though. But, like, because the thing is, I've played a shit ton of Hex Cells, just not recently. And it's because, like, and I will happily play the puzzles that I kind of know how to beat because I, um, I speedrun them. <laughs> 
from memory like just okay this 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 but like I don't let myself just fill in the bits that I know I can fill in like I I remember where the pieces go but I always force myself to work it all out like and try and speed run it but while still doing the logic side and still like working all of that out so but um yeah whereas adventure capitalist i leave it open all day so that i can right. maximize mm. like the points at which is things that, become is available. It an idle game where like it, yeah it's it just like everything okay. just ticks up and because at first you have to click each thing to earn from its production basically hmm. but then pretty soon you've earned enough to hire a manager who does the, that clicking for you <laughs> and so like you work your way through all of these different um resources like obviously each is worth a bit more and takes a while to unlock and then the manager takes a while to unlock after that and so it's kind of like this game that ramps up and then um you also can then sort of buy more of them like you you essentially invest in them so they give you more like return on that each time a a click is finished on the Mm. on the thing and then once you get to a certain point you can kind of unlock the ability to do that on mars and on the moon and things and those have like slightly different parameters in terms of what you earn and whatever but like the the main loop at this point is so you've you've done that and you've earned a bunch and what it does is uh the amount that you're assets and all of that stuff is worth at that point um attracts angel investors like represented in the game as actual angels (laughs) and you can then choose to reset everything except you then earn the amount of angel investors who were interested at the time and that applies a percentage sort of boost to everything you do in that second playthrough and then you sort of rinse and repeat and rinse and repeat and I'm on some crazy amount of angels at this point that means that when I do that first click I uh, once that has completed production on this first thing I then have enough money to either buy like 4,000 of that thing as my next upgrade or I can buy nearly all of the managers for everything and then while that's going through it keeps obviously clicking through that first resource which is the only click i've technically put into that game um and so by the time i've sort of finished clicking to hire most of the managers i can usually get the the last one like if i time it just right and then you can go and get sort of upgrades so that you know i don't know the the lemonade stand that you start with suddenly is worth like x amount more and your angel investors provide x amount more investing sort of potential and like it it's just an infinitely increasing amount of money and an amount of resources and it's just a, a really beautifully pleasing loop but that makes you just enough unsatisfied that i keep going back to it and i think a lot of people do so i think I will just be sort of on my deathbed kind of <laughs> hoping that this thing will take over so that I can buy that one last thing. And yeah, that's... Well, maybe that's what Diablo 4 should be. <laughs> they should just adopt that exact kind of reward loop. And... Uh, yeah, it's like, like any any game you have to leave running to make it do something. 
is going to do well in Steam's metrics because Steam's metrics is very based along like, oh, if someone plays yeah. something a lot, they love yeah. it. Well, the thing is, the this just goes like when you're not playing it at all. Like, I do yeah. not need to have had it open. It's just that I do because that means that I can then buy that thing the second <laughs> it becomes available. But even stuff like, you know, Mankind Divided, um, I have probably played the game for like 25 hours or something, but it probably says I played it for 60 hours because... I just left it all tabbed because it took a very, very long time to load my save game if I started up again. Right. And it wasn't that hard to use my computer if it was all tabbed in the background. I would just, you know, if I'm using Twitter or something, that's fine. And so, yeah, Steam thinks I played that game for probably 200 hours. (laughs) Wow. So imagine if you're a Diablo 4 barbarian. You just opted out and you just kept killing things, like automated, <laughs> uh, and and you, the the skill was in picking the area to, where it was best to farm. And then actually, you ran just like you could run three or four barbarians, and also then once you've got five, you it unlocks a new class, and you get a wizard, and then you play with the wizard for a bit, and then you you idle him, <laughs> and then you've got this so five idle barbarians churning, you've got an idle <laughs> wizard churning, and then eventually they get to a certain point and they they unlock a fucking assassin. It's like whoa, a new class, and you have some fun with that for like eight hours. Then you idle them, and that also unlocks two other wizards, and suddenly it's like a crazy fucking pyramid scheme of heroes that are just mining experience out of the earth for you as you're just idling, and you occasionally get like four or five interesting hours of uh, of game from new classes. And that's adventure. You fucking love that game, Tom. I would play that till I was literally dead. <laughs> so that game doesn't exist right now. Not yet. No. Okay. Wait, it's kind it, of progress yeah. based. It's kind of that. Oh, really? Yeah. A little bit, yeah. So, I mean, some of the, the ethos of that is in Progress Quest. But yeah. Mm. Aren't there other games where you can send other people off to do things? Doesn't the Dragon Age thing let you just send other people off to do shit? Assassin's Creed come is back? Uh, really good. The Dragon Age Inquisition yeah. does allow you to send, mm. so, to commit people on missions that take a certain amount of real lifetime. Yeah. And Majesty is an RTS where everything you ever want anyone to do, you have to pay them to do it, even if. It's to defend their own home. <laughs> you're like, What's you're, in it for you're me? Elves, the fucking, the, the hordes are coming for the elf stronghold. I want you to defend it. And they're like, how much? <laughs> I don't know, like fucking 10. No. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. 30? 30? Will that make you defend your own house? Because <laughs> if not, you're going to die forever. There's no other way. And they're like, eh, all right, 30. <laughs> Payment up That's front. majesty. <laughs> Assassin's Creed Brotherhood was good at this. You could um, recruit assassins and send them off into missions all over the world. They'd come back to you and actually defend you with new equipment when you did that. So um, there's an amazing ability in Assassin's Creed Brotherhood where you can whistle and an assassin, or just multiple assassins, will jump out of the nearest uh, kind of hidden spaces and just kill. <laughs> they were whatever. already there, yeah, always. Yeah. They were always in that haystack um, with the broadsword he earned in Vienna for killing some sort of duchess or something huh. um it was really and that was really satisfying because it fed back into the game like uh, a lot of the subsequent assassin's creed a lot of games do this where uh, there's like an, an overlaid shitty resource game mm. where you play the resource game to get resources and the resources go into your abstract resource bank whereas that game was great because your resources resources were actually characters that would you could then in you know bring into your world to defend you hmm. and then you actually saw them doing stuff and you could see the upgrades that you'd gotten to them uh, and they, you had loads of them because you trained them really well which Assassin's Creed was this? Brotherhood I think the best one the best one I love Brotherhood oh. Assassin's Creed 2 2 mm. yeah so I played Assassin's in Creed 2 Rome, a lot it? and I didn't play anything yeah. after that yeah, I, I, love that one. Hope, I hope that 
elderly people are still into wee bowling when, <laughs> when I get there. Because I was really good at that. And like, <laughs> I, I refuse to miss Fucking out on my... Yeah, on my on my old folks' home bowling trophy, just because they've moved on technologically. Those <laughs> old like, folks' homes for for our generation are going to be amazing. They're going to be, it's got to be, gonna video, be games. Awful. Yeah. video games. They're going to be absolutely them. awful because there's no population be to help. <laughs> That's what they'll be. Uh, Never watched Black Mirror this season. Hmm? No, not okay. yet. I'll say nothing more. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a, a dystopian view, vision of the future? I think it's based a good on technology. Like I think that's a positive thing. Like a, really? if my body is broken, I can't move. Then <laughs> I, I might, I'd love to have my simulate my brain with new worlds and the ability to contact people. Yeah, I mean, I, all yeah, over the place, like you know? both both my grandmothers have died in the last like five years, and their death was not sort of like the super tragic thing. It was more like the life before the death was. Just after your body can't do anything, that's the really sad part, is when you're just kind of stuck in a room. You can't socialise, yeah. You can't they would watch TV and they'd read books and stuff, but it's like, it's such a pale comparison to people who are into video games. <laughs> when we're in that situation, it'll still suck, for sure, but we will have so much more going on in our lives at that point. Like, I will finally finish The Witcher 2. Yeah, 90% of the stuff that's already <laughs> going on in my life died. is stuff I can still do in a room alone. <laughs> like, there are still things that won't be, into, won't be uh, uh, you know, um, stopped by me being 80 years old. It's about shared experiences as well. I think that's the one thing that like virtual environments will give you if you're if you're not able to experience that physically anymore, to sit in a coffee shop with someone. Like, even just playing virtual checkers with some other people in a virtual environment and just talking real-time over chat. Like, it's a social experience as good as any. Yeah. You know, I mean, just really basic stuff that it'll let you, let you do. I think potentially enormously positive thing. Hmm. I was just thinking, because, like, I've suddenly realised that, like, I enjoy cream teas and National Trust properties and... <laughs> walks and i have casually looked at saga holidays just because they sounded pretty good <laughs> and like didn't involve a lot of stairs so i don't know like i i, I don't know i it, it, it this all feels really like glib and stuff and like i don't know i don't want to reduce people to stereotypes of like wee bowling and countdown and things like that that's very much just but but you are really into the idea of some wee bowling and countdown right now. Well, I think because I'm kind of good at it right now, I kind of foresee myself being some kind of queen of of elderly people pop culture. But it's more just that like I'm kind of okay at it now, and I would probably in reality get my ass handed to me by someone else like even now and i've just now decided that i would probably be amazing at this when i'm 70 <laughs> and it's like you know and and 70 like we were talking about this earlier like that i've realized that that isn't even it's like it anymore. doesn't feel old it's not like, old anymore no it's this weirdly abstract age that I've decided was old when I was, like, seven. Hmm. And reality isn't really bearing that one out. 90 is probably, <laughs> I would say, closer to how I think 70 is. My, Michael Stipe plans to live until 125. 
Really? What's he going to do when he's 126 then? Uh, die. Oh. Yeah. That's, that's how that <laughs> works. He's still alive Aspire. then. He'll shoot yeah. himself. Uh, <coughs> yeah. mm. Rob Lowe's character in Parks and Recreation says that the person who lives to 150 has already been born and he intends to be that person. <laughs> <laughs> I love that show. I really like Parks and Rec. Uh, many thanks to Michael Stipe for guest appearing on this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's all the time we have for questions which we will subsequently forget and wander away from. How many did we even answer? Two? About Two three. One of them wasn't even a question. <laughs> <laughs> Two. That was the most... a statement. Yeah, okay. <laughs> if you'd like to send us a question or a statement for a future episode you can do so by emailing us at questions at creightoncrowbar.com you can also tweet us at creightoncrowbar and discuss this episode on discord the link for which will be in the show notes and also on the website creightoncrowbar.com if you'd like to follow us as individuals I'm at C Thurston that's C-T-H-U-R-S-T-E-N Pip is oh I, I knew I knew because you looked distracted. <laughs> I was distracted by my own foot. <laughs> I, know, I could see that That's as well. Problem. <laughs> oh no. What were we doing? Your Twitter. Name. Oh, On Twitter. Oh yes, no, I got this. It's at Philippa Wall, which is at P H I L I P P A W A W R. Yes. Good job. Thanks. Tom. I am at Pentadax. That's a dice roll. I love doing that. I looked directly at Pip and said Tom. I was looking at my phone at the time. So I just jumped straight in. Because Tom Senior looked uncertain and Tom Francis just went straight for it. I, Tom Francis, am Pentadact. P-E-N-T-A-D-A-D. I, Tom Senior, am at PCG Ludo, which is that Thanks for listening, everybody. Everybody. That was a weirdly sing-song, and I'm sorry.